Resulting in what she said was the deliberate bombing of a trapped population. But her father disagrees, going public to air his disappointment. Very disappointed that my daughter, like so many, has no understanding of God's honour, God's truths. This is about destroying the history of God's land, the Holy Land, the land of the Jews. This is justice for God's children of the Holy Land. Israel, the Israeli army, must protect thy soil, thy people. This is war. It can't be civil now. TNT's Patrick Henningsen says we are beginning to see more influential voices break their silence on the conflict. It's certainly taking a very long, long time, but finally you're beginning to see some courageous voices, especially from Hollywood, now stepping forward to call out what's clearly massive crimes against humanity being perpetrated by the state of Israel. One of those is Angelina Jolie. She's been a special envoy for the United United Nations High Commissioner for Refugees for a number of decades and she was very quiet at first to condemn the actions of the Israeli occupation forces but now she's come out with some very strong words indeed and she talks about having civilians trapped in what American military would call a kill box if you use this term they used in places like Fallujah in Iraq where massacres were carried out by the US military in their operations similarly Israel is doing the the exact same thing here, indiscriminately using their military to kill civilians. And now the evidence is in, and some of the top human rights advocates around the world, including those at the International Criminal Court, are now zeroing in on Israel's war crimes. For TNT Radio, this is Patrick Henningsen. Thank you, Patrick. And we'll be back in a moment with weather for New Zealand. With your help, we can continue to fight for freedom, reach new audiences, and bring important information to the public free of charge. This is not possible without your generosity. Join our quest for the truth and our freedom and donate today. Simply go to tntradio.live. Muslims do not love other Muslims. They have no love for them. They have no love for the Palestinian peoples. None. If they had any, the Jordanians would have taken in the West Bank Palestinians. The Egyptians would have taken in the, 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 the territory they used to run, the Gaza, and own the Gaza. And they would have taken in the Palestinians from the Gaza. Why have the Egyptians made sure that not one uh, Palestinian is allowed to leave Gaza? Why, why do they make sure that their border wall is tough as anything? What do they mind? One thing, Jews living. Jews living and Jews winning. It hits them deep in their soul, in their psyche. It's an ancient, ancient hatred. Perhaps the most ancient among the monotheisms. And uh, the deepest and the ugliest, the nastiest. And the one that has been least addressed. And we've imported it. Douglas Murray there, 5 past 5. Good morning. Welcome to the Liberty NZ Breakfast with Grant Edwards. That is me. That is me. Let's look at the extreme, shall we? Right across New Zealand, Wangarei. You've got 17.2 degrees. It was, it got up to 17.3 there in Whangarei. Uh, Waitati has the lowest temperature. It's still pretty warm, though, 7.2 degrees. Windiest place to be is Wellington, Lyle Bay, 35 kilometres per hour there. And the wettest place is the airport at New Plymouth with 9.4 millimetres of rain falling. Temperatures right across the country, mostly double digits, a little bit cold in Stewart Island and Invercargill. Also Queenstown, France, Joseph, for around about 9 degrees. But everybody else is up in the 
double digits and halfway up the country we were up almost to um, 20 degrees there. Gisborne 17, Auckland's also 17 along with Wangarei and Kaitaia. So very good indeed. In fact, even um, we've got uh, Taupo and Rotorua both on 15 along with Napier. So that's not too bad. Let's look at that short forecast for the whole country. First off for Northland to Waitomo, including Coromandel. Bay of Plenty and Taupo. Showers, some heavy with thunderstorms and hail possibly this afternoon and evening. Taranaki to Manawatu, also for Taumanui and uh, Taihapi and Gisborne and also the Wairarapa. You've got periods of rain with some heavy falls. Rain easing outside of Gisborne and Hawke's Bay this afternoon or evening. For Horowanua to Wellington, also you've you Wellington, you might even whip across the Cook Strait a little bit there. Cloudy periods with uh, patchy rain. Fine spells increasing in Horowanua and also um, Wellington in the the afternoon, more so in the evening for Wellington. For Nelson and Buller, partly cloudy, isolated showers, some heavy and possibly thundery this afternoon and evening inland. For Marlborough, Canterbury, Otago and Southland, cloud increasing, low cloud with drizzle patches. It's clearing in the morning, uh, cl- increasing, I don't know why they say that, cloud increasing, but then it's going to be uh, clearing later in the morning. Oh, I suppose that's all right. However, scattered afternoon and evening showers, they all come back, mainly about the ranges with some are going to be heavy and you're also going to have some thunderstorms. For Westland and Fjordland, fine, but evening cloud and Fjordland. And for the Chatham Islands, mostly cloudy with drizzle patches, uh, but that's going to be clearing later in the morning. The war in Syria, half a million dead and counting. In Yemen, Sudan, millions have died. Lebanon, Libya, Pakistan, Of the 50-plus Muslim countries, hardly any have democracy. The Muslim world is extremely violent to one another and to non-Muslims. In many ways, the Muslim world today is where the Christian world was 400 years ago. Think about it. There are millions of dedicated Catholics and there are millions of Protestants. 400 years ago, they were killing each other. Today, even though they still believe in different things, Protestants and Catholics have stopped using violence. This is not the case in the Muslim world. No, not so good. Eight minutes past five. Welcome to the Liberty NZ Breakfast with Grant Edwards. We have got uh, the front page of the papers right now, or the, the front page of the, the local folks, the fake stream media for New Zealand. We're starting off with RadioNewZealand.co.nz, and we find their heading as Kiwis killed during World War II are honoured in a Dutch village. What happened will be remembered. A small village in the Netherlands has honoured five Kiwi airmen uh, of World War II, uh, including two New Zealanders who lost their lives. Uh, They weren't all Kiwis. Some of them were British with the Royal Air Force. uh, When their bomber was attacked... Uh, and uh, only its second operation that year. It was only its second operational flight. We'll have a look at that story because it's quite quite a nice story, really. Um, so this is a small village in the Netherlands. So it's honoured five airmen. And I think, from memory, I think the pilot stayed on board uh, because there was another the, another guy, that one of the gunners, he couldn't get out. He wasn't able to free himself. Three of them jumped to safety and they were picked up by the Germans and they were held as prisoners of war and the other two died. And I, I'm not sure if this is the same story uh, because it doesn't really give details, but I thought they actually... Uh, uh, he crash-landed it and it was fully laden with bombs, the whole nine yards, as they say, and... Um, uh, he avoided um, a small sort of like a group of houses as far as I know. So let's have a look there. A small village in the Netherlands, they've honoured them. Uh, the local newspaper Brass Brules spent years piercing together or piecing together the last mission of Vickers Wellington Bomber. That's what they call it. It's a BJ, 
767 from number 75 New Zealand Squadron, that's the Royal Air Force. Uh, it was attacked by a German night fighter aircraft on the 12th of August 1942 and went down not far from the village of Vales near the border with Germany. The pilot was Taranaki Man, acting Flight Lieutenant Lawrence St George Dobbin. He and Air Gunner Sergeant Jack Leslie Jury from Petoni were killed in an explosion uh, as acting Flight Lieutenant Dobbin tried to crash land. The other three crew bailed out of on Dobbin's orders and were captured by the Germans. More than 60 years later, on the 9th of November 2023, the date of acting Flight Lieutenant Dobbin's birthday, village schoolchildren unveiled a plaque bearing the names of the five crewmen mounted on a stone near the crash site. Brule said the, the ceremony drew a large crowd from the village who observed a minute's silence and a small brass band played the national anthems of the Netherlands and New Zealand. I told the crowd about the crash and what happened. We had a flag from Taranaki flying uh, received from Dobbin's family and... Uh, will be donated to the primary school here in Vals, he said. Children from the primary school read letters from the Dobbin family, including a letter from Lorraine Dobbin, who was named after Lawrence. Brules uncovered the story of the bomber crew and the crash using eyewitness testimony accounts from the surviving air crew, archive, uh, archival documents, newspaper clippings, letters, history books, etc., and uh, also on-the-ground research. The Wellington BJ-767 flying from RAF Fetwell with a crew of five on a mission to Mainz, Germany, when an enemy night fighter attacked the plane and set it on fire, acting Lieutenant uh, Flight Lieutenant Dobbin told the crew to jettison the bomb load, and they were but they were unable to do that. So he ordered his crew to bail out, but Sergeant Jury had a parachute malfunction and didn't jump. The last crew member to bail out was Sergeant Albert Elson, and he said acting Flight Lieutenant Dobbin told him that he would not jump while Sergeant Jury was on board and that he would instead try and crash land. But the aircraft's bomb exploded and sending debris raining down on Vale's meadow. The explosion was so large that it tore the roof off a nearby farmhouse acting... Uh, where are we? Lost my place here. Farmhouse acting Flight Lieutenant Dobbin and Sergeant Jury's bodies were later recovered and buried locally. Before the war, acting Flight Lieutenant Dobbin had trained as a teacher and represented Taranaki in rugby. Eight days after departing for England, he married a fellow teacher. Just to say, I'm sorry, who, who were the Maoris historically? Were they men and women of peace who sat around idyllically farming and having an idenically civilised life? Or were they brutal, brutal people who did terrible things to each other and to people they met? The trade in decapitated human heads? I'm sorry, I'm not willing to have my own culture ransacked and turned through this lens of pure evil, and simultaneously be expected to pretend that the Maoris or the indigenous peoples of Australia were these proto-Gandhi-esque figures, sort of Mother Teresa with a bit too much beheading. No, 
No, this is totally untrue. Douglas Murray. Quarter past five. Oh, gosh. Yes. Oh, that will upset a few people, won't it? OK, we're back to Radio New Zealand and uh, Germany, France and Italy reach agreement on an AI regulation future. The three governments are in favour of a binding revolutionary commitments for both large and small AI providers in the European Union. And SpaceX Starship launch failed minutes after reaching space. Apparently reaching space. Uh, SpaceX's uncrewed spacecraft, Starship, uh, developed a, 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 um, a, 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 it's developed rather to carry astronauts to the moon and beyond, failed in a space, um, I guess you'd call it a space, I don't know, space. Did they really get into space? Uh, many of us doubt it. Anyway, shortly after liftoff, they crashed into what was it? What, what did they crash into? The dome. Oh, maybe. Uh, Biden says the Palestinian Authority should ultimately govern Gaza. Gosh, well, he's a lunatic, isn't he? They tried that. didn't work. U.S. President Joe Biden has said the Palestinian Authority should ultimately govern the Gaza Strip and the West Bank. Following the West Bank? Could be joking. Following Hamas, uh, Israeli-Hamas war. You, you, you need to be. They need to pull the 25th Amendment on him and get the silly old chap out. Uh, Taylor Swift, she postpones her Rio Janeiro trip. Uh, due to the heat after a fan's death, US singer Taylor Swift has postponed the show due to scorching heat the day after the death of a fan who fell ill and in the sweltering concert uh, heat. And I would say probably, was he vaxxed? I don't know. And now we've got some propaganda here from Radio New Zealand about the Israeli airstrike. It kills dozens of South in, uh, in South Gaza. Civilians flee Al-Shifa hospital. The strike on residential blocks killed at least 47 Palestinians, according to uh, terrorist medics. Meanwhile, the Israeli military, see, they're getting all the news from the, from the terrorists themselves, so it's hard to know because, you know, Palace... Pallywood is so rife in the Middle East, you know, you just really, we don't really have any idea what's going on. And we might not ever know what's really happening. Now we're back over in Russia. Apparently a Russian drone attacked. It hits uh, Ukrainian infrastructure, causing a power outage. Uh, This is just, uh, that came through not too long ago. Russian drones hit the infrastructure facility in Ukraine in an overnight assault that caused power outages in more than 400 towns and villages, according to Ukrainian officials. And in India, the tunnel that collapsed, rescuers to drill from the top to reach 40 men that have been trapped. And uh, so the efforts to rescue the workers trapped inside the collapsed tunnel in northern India have been expanded to include a drill down from the mountaintop. So that's what they're going to do. And uh, we've got Elon Musk here. It looks like, I do not want my ads anywhere near Nazis. Um, X boycott growing. An advertising boycott of social media platform X is gathering pace amid an anti-Semitism storm on the site formerly known as Twitter. And Australian naval personnel, we read about this earlier, I think with the ABC News, uh, they have been injured, divers were injured in a sonar pulse from a Chinese warship and the uh, HMS uh, Toowoomba, uh, it had been operating in international waters off Japan in support of the United Nations mission to enforce sanctions when the incident occurred on Tuesday. I thought it was a Chinese warship. So I might just move in on that one. Yes, it is. It was a Chinese one. And it looks, there it is, number 156, written up on the top sides, on the port, on the starboard bow. 
Uh, Australian naval personnel have sustained minor injuries after being subjected to sonar pulses from a Chinese warship. Toowoomba had been operating in international waters off Japan in support of the United Nations to enforce sanctions when the incident occurred on Tuesday. Naval divers were working to clear fishing nets from the Australian frigate's propellers when the Chinese warship began operating its hull mounted sonar. According to Defence Minister Richard Miles, the Australian frigate provided multiple warnings to vessels in the area that diving operations were underway. Despite acknowledging Toowoomba's communications, the Chinese vessel approached at a closer range, he said. Soon after, it was detected operating a hull-mounted sonar in a manner that posed a risk to the safety of the Australian divers who were forced to exit the water. It's understood the divers suffered injuries to their ears, likely due to the sonar pulses. Federal government has expressed its serious concerns to the Chinese government, with Miles labelling the incident unsafe and unprofessional. Uh, He says the ADF vessels had run maritime surveillance activities in the area for decades doing so in accordance with international law. While the frigate was in international waters, it still fell within Japan's exclusive economic zone, and it was sailing towards Japan, where it had a scheduled port visit. The incident comes less than a fortnight after Anthony Albanese made the first official visit to Beijing by an Australian Prime Minister in seven years, meeting, meeting President Xi Jinping. The discussion was described by the Prime Minister as one of, quote, goodwill, and Xi uh, accredited Albanese for working to stabilise the relationship between the two countries after years of rising tensions. Well, this um, this little incident with the Chinese and the and the Australian divers wouldn't help, would it? Only days after Xi met with President U.S. Joe Biden in San Francisco, where the two leaders pledged to resume military to military communications. In May last year, tensions between Australia and China were heightened by the presence of the Chinese surveillance ship operating off the western Australian coast, close to the secretive naval communications base at Exmouth. Sonar is an acronym for sound navigation and ranging. There are two types of sonar. First, there's a passive sonar that involves listening via specialised transducers called hydrophones. They're underwater microphones for signs of nearby ships, and it does not reveal the user's location. And then there's active sonar, which seems to be what they used to damage the ears of the Australian divers. And uh, so that's used to determine the relevant position of submerged objects by emitting a sound signal that travels through the water, reflects off objects, and bounces back to a receiver. Sound signals are not emitted continuously, rather in short bursts or pings during operation. They can detect an underwater threat and target its position. Submarines, warships and other naval platforms use sonar for two main reasons. To safely navigate deep waters and avoid obstacles and anti-submarine warfare, which they call ASW, that's the acronym. So there we are. So that information is gathered from the Australian Government Department of Climate Change, Emergency, Environment, Water and Naval Technologies. And the story was first published by the ABC. And that's where we read it, wasn't it? With the ABC. ABC. Okay, 22 minutes past five here at the Liberty NZ Breakfast. And uh, in a moment, we'll be back with the News Hub and see what they've got on the boil. Oh, no, um, there may be some more from Radio New Zealand, so we'll check that out as well. I asked a guy one time what his TV cost. He said about $450. I said, you forgot to look at the price tag. He said, what do you mean? I knew he was a TV watcher. I said, that television costs you, in my opinion, 
at least $12,000 a year. To watch it, not to own it. Owning it's cheap. Watching it is what's expensive. And I said, hey, $12,000 a year is too much to pay to watch TV. That's too much. Pay a little, but not $12,000. Oh, okay. We're back on Radio New Zealand, and now we've got how North Korea makes a fortune stealing crypto. Last year, stealing cryptocurrencies was North Korea's primary form of foreign currency income. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Could you could you honestly believe this? There's a lot of propaganda. Poor old the poor old North Korean guy's getting a hammering, isn't he? Um, and really, it was only Trump that actually was able to go and have a chat with them. No one wants to sit down around the table and have a talk. That's the way to do it. Colorado judge finds Trump engaged in insurrection but allowed him on, uh, allows him on ballot. I don't know what that means. The Colorado judge has, oh, I see, allowed Donald Trump to remain on the ballot uh, in the state's election next year despite finding that he engaged in insurrection. What a load of rubbish. All the reports that Donald Trump put up there with on Twitter at the time, now called X, uh, was to say, uh, you know, calm down, be peaceful, do what the do what the police tell you to do, and just be peaceful. But he said that some of those tweets were actually deleted; they were removed on purpose, it seems, by uh, forces within Twitter at the time. Now um, we've got. Um, uh, uh, you, what else have we got? Icelandic town endures 1,000 er, earthquakes a day. Good grief. But the real threat is still to come, apparently. More than 1,000 earthquakes a day are rumbling the fishing village of Grindavik, uh, where there is a 15-kilometer fracture that's opened up on the ground. Goodness me. What does the Bible say in, Re- in Matthew 24? There'll be earthquakes in diverse places. Do they normally have those up there? Who knows? Officers had to clear duty to stop the rogue cop, according to the mother. Oh, that's that boy, New Zealand boy, that was shot. Clark Glass, his name is. He was shot five times by police in his car near Denver in June last year. Terrible story, that. Um, should we have a quick... I'll have a quick look at that. Let's have a look. Let's look at that one. It's 25 past five. And six further US police officers charged over the fatal shooting of a Kiwi uh, Christian Glass is his name. He looks like a nice young guy. He looked really worried. He was in the car. He was signalling sort of the love heart with his hands. And they just shot him in the car. He was unarmed. Just terrible. Criminal charges have been brought against a further six US police officers for failing to intervene in the fatal shooting of Christ- Christchurch-born Christian Glass. Glass was shot five times by police in his car near Denver in June last year. The 22-year-old, he called 911 for help during the apparent mental health crisis. Okay, so he phoned up, so he obviously wasn't well, probably on psychiatric drugs, but he seemed harmless. Body camera fo- footage shows Glass at times making heart signs with his hands to officers through... Uh, though he he refused to leave his car, he said because he was terrified. Uh, the long an hour long standoff ended with officers smashing a window, tasering glass, and finally shooting him. The district attorney of the fifth judicial district has charged Georgetown Marshal Randy Williams, former Clear Creek County deputy and current Georgetown officer Timothy Collins, Colorado State Trooper. Uh, his name is Ryan Benny, an Idaho Springs police officer, Brittany Morrow, uh, Colorado Gaming Commission officer, Krista Lloyd, and Colorado Gaming Commission officer, Mary Harris. They have all been charged with 
Um, gosh, I think it's murder. It certainly looks like it to me. Lawyers for the family say the additional charge is significant because they recognise Buen and Gould could not act alone. Each of the six officers charged today had ample opportunity to stop the unjustified and senseless use of force against Christian Glass. They took part in and enabled a plan to use criminal and unlawful force against Christian. That's the New Zealand boy from Christchurch. Uh, Had any one of these six officers stepped in to do the right thing, Christian would still be alive today. That's the lawyer. Her name is Siddhartha uh, Rathod, and she added that charging the officers who did not prevent the death sent a clear message. That's right. You're going to be a spectator or you're going to be a participant. You can't sit around and stand around and watch like a ghoul as a crime happens. And there's an old saying, uh, evil happens in the world. It continues when good men do nothing. And that's what we saw happen in this instance. Simon Glass, uh, that's the father, I think, said that they had been led to believe that their son had been at fault for weeks before the body cam footage came out. He said the footage showed that his son had been attacked. They are, they are, they are bad apples and uh, a rogue cop. Christian faced an evil bully that night and six of them stood by and let him murder uh, their son, according to Sally Glass. Terrible story and should never have happened. White House criticizes Elon Musk over the hideous anti-Semitic lie. Anti-Semitic. The White House has accused Elon Musk of reporting a hideous lie about Jewish people after the ex-owner appeared to respond approvingly to an anti-Semitic post on the platform. One killed the New Hampshire psychiatric hospital shooting. An armed suspect opened fire in the lobby of a psychiatric hospital in New Hampshire, killing one person before an officer returned fire, killing the attacker, according to police. And Russia seeks extreme label for LGBT movement. Uh, Russia seeks extremist label. Oh, okay. Russia's Justice Ministry has filed a motion with the uh, their country supreme country rather Supreme's court to ban the activities of what it calls the international LGBT public movement as extremist. Oh, I see. Okay, IBM, Disney, Warner suspend ads on X after they appear to, uh, to uh, they appeared next to Nazi posts, and it comes as Twitter, which is X now. The owner, Elon Musk, he was criticised after calling an anti-Semitic conspiracy theory actual truth. And swimming rivers and faking illness to escape Ukraine's draft. Nearly 20,000 men have fled since the beginning of the war. Some swarm dangerous rivers, others simply walk out under the cover of darkness. A lot of people don't want to be just slaughtered by um, NATO, really, in their proxy war uh, with uh, Russia uh, using Ukrainian soldiers. According to Douglas MacArthur, not Douglas MacArthur, Douglas McGregor, that's M-A-C, Gregor. Um, you can find him on YouTube. He's a former Trump advisor. He says that over 550,000 troops, that's Ukrainian troops, have lost their lives in this uh, terrible conflict. We'll be back in a moment. What difference is there between Arabs who were on this side of the Jordan and the other side of the Jordan? Arabs in the East Bank and the uh, West of the border of the West Bank. I mean, where, when were Palestinians born? What was, all, what was all this area before the First World War? When Britain got the mandate over Palestine, what was Palestine then? 
Palestine was then the area between the Mediterranean and the Iraqian border. You say there's no such thing as East Palestinian. and West Bank? No. East and West Bank was Palestine. I'm a Palestinian. From 21 until 48, I carried a Palestinian passport. There was no such thing in this area as Jews and Arabs and Palestinians. And there were that, Jews and Arabs. That's right. And that is former Prime Minister of Israel, Golda Meir. She was Prime Minister from 1969 until 1974. We're moving across now to News Hub, and you can find them at newshub.co.nz. And the front page on the fake stream media here reads, Very disappointing. National accuses Chris Hipkins of playing politics with Gaza ceasefire call. More on politics. Luxon says serious issues holding up deal as coalition negotiations extend without clear end in date. That's a change from yesterday, isn't it? So in, in health, I've achieved something. Terminal cancer patient fundraiser to save lives. He is fundraising. Terminal cancer patient. Oh, we might look at that a bit later on. In conservation, knocked out of the sky. The dead birds washing up on Auckland's east coast. What's that all about? And in Auckland, he was by himself. Rescue crews save a man stuck on a cliff in Auckland. And then you've got the cost of living, just too high. Kiwis admit they can't afford Christmas as the cost of living crisis worsens. In cricket, the World Cup cricket, and uh, the final with India, Australia from Aminadab, and there's live coverage happening right now. In weather, North Islanders, we better have a look at that. New Zealand weather, and the North Islanders are urged to brace themselves for heavy rain as the Met Service issues a weather warning. And this one has just come out, I think. It has just come out, so we'll have a bit of a look, quick look at that and see what's happening with the weather. Uh, the forecaster is urging Kiwis in the North Island to brace themselves for more heavy rain. It comes as a low-pressure system approaches from the northwest, and it will move across northern New Zealand on Sunday, which we've just been through, <laughs> before it is expected to slowly move northeast away from the North Island during Monday and Tuesday. So it was pretty drizzly, I think, up in the north, just drizzle. wasn't really heavy rain, but maybe the east coast might get a bit more today. Met Service updated its weather warnings and watches on Sunday morning and warned the eastern parts of the North Island they're going to expect and uh, the worst. They should expect the worst of the weather. And uh, so what do they say on Twitter, on X? They say, a persistent low pressure continues... Uh, to bring wet weather to parts of the North Island in the days ahead. Stay informed with the latest severe weather updates by covering Tawiri, Fetty, Gisborne, Hawke's Bay, Area Wire App and all that. Da-di-da-di-da. Uh, the forecasting agency issued an orange heavy rain warning for 30 hours for the Ruahine Ranges and the inland ranges of Hawke's Bay from 10pm last night until 4am this morning, uh, Tuesday, tomorrow morning rather. So we've got, got some wet and wild weather happening uh, right through today and uh, right up until tomorrow morning. Met Service said the area should expect 120 to 150 millimetres of rain to fall at peak times. Uh, around about 15 to 20 millimetres per hour. Heavy rain may cause streams and rivers to rise, surface flooding and slips are also possible and driving conditions may be hazardous according to Met Service. Uh, rain, heavy rain watches are also in place for Coromandel Peninsula, the Bay of uh, Plenty, western, that's west of Huakatani, and also Gisborne, the Wairapa, from about Carterton northwards. The Tarua district not included the Ruahine Ranges and uh, Hawke's Bay not included the Inland Ranges and Taranaki. Hawke's Bay not including, oh okay. Uh, Met Service forecaster 
and uh, it's a it's an interesting name, Mathapelo Makabulani <laughs> had a <laughs> just I'm sure they do it on purpose just to make it difficult for me to read. Yeah. Um, they had a um, they were warning people and she is warning or he I don't know what what he or she is warning people. I have to Google her and find out or him. Should we do quick Google now and see what this thing this person not thing <laughs> with a name a terrible name. Gosh, you're terrible, Grant. You're not. You're not very nice today. No, no. I woke up on the wrong side of the bed at two o'clock this morning. Let's have a look and photograph. Oh, it's a nice lady. There she is. Looks like she's African or somewhere. Come here. Probably some Muslim from Africa. Hello, welcome, and um, thank you very much for the weather. Can't we employ one of our own? <laughs> probably. Why not? Why can't we? Are we short of um, New Zealand broadcasters and weather weather watchers? Uh, oh no, we can't do that. No, we've got to got to employ all these funny people from all over the world that um, names I can't pronounce. And if Grant can't pronounce them, then they shouldn't be employed. <laughs> of course, you know I'm kidding. All right, let's go back to that news item if I can find it. Where were we? We were uh, over there. Magulaba, Magubu, Batlani. Magabutlani Magabutlani I'll get good at that I'll be really good at it You watch, I'll practice it That's what they all do They just practice it Repeat it over and over again If you can be bothered Okay, she said that I think the people They need to keep in mind That it's been raining for a few days And even though Oh, she's just giving us Telling us stuff that You know, we don't know Treating us like children As they do, these people She's probably another leftist Muslim Wouldn't mind betting Okay, let's uh, let's see. I don't know why they didn't. In- why don't they ask us who we want to import into our country? We import all these people. Oh, they're great. You're such a racist. Yes, I am actually. <laughs> why can't why can't we just have why can't why do we have to import people from foreign countries that have got completely different cultures to us, completely different languages, totally different ideals? I'll tell you why. It's all part of the globalist plan to divide us. It's all part of it's a multi-pronged attack to divide New Zealanders and uh, make us have nothing to be proud of, nothing to be patriotic about. They don't want patriotism. They want to destroy the um, the whole idea of a nation state so that they can bring us into their one world government, which is just going to be an absolute melting pot. And it's just going to be so much crime because people don't get along when they're forced. Forced immigration doesn't work and uh, the crime is going to increase. They want crime to increase so that they can in- increase the um, uh, surveillance is really what it's all about. Kiwis losing losing their freedoms and uh, being surveilled by their government. That's what it's all about. And the councils too. I was reading about what the councils are up to and the world government is certainly getting in to the councils and um, pushing their globalist um, their globalist plans. Their 2030 agenda as Jacinda Ardern came out and said, she said at the the 2030 agenda, instead of saying Agenda 2030, she says the 2030 agenda, it just sort of sounded a bit nicer uh, because everyone's been saying Agenda 2030. So, uh, you know, we, they say we're making up this stuff, but, it, you know, they publish it themselves. And it's not a good thing. You know, you don't want to become, we want to be a national country, a nation. It comes from the word nationality. But they're destroying nationalities, aren't they, by bringing in foreigners from all over the world, too many of them too. And uh, we just don't, we don't get along, let's face it. And even they don't get along. And uh, a lot of Muslims coming into this country, and that will be, that is really just like you're opening up a big can of worms. We're seeing it in the UK, just uh, unbelievable, uh, the, the level of violence, especially over this Israeli thing. And of course the Muslims, they hate, well they hate each other. 
uh, we've seen that. They can't stand each other. They won't take each other in. I mean, Egypt won't take in. They took the babies in. But they won't take in the so-called Palestinians. Other Arabs hate other Arabs. Jordan won't take them in. Israel has to take them in. Israel supplies the power. They don't pay for it. It's free. They write it off. Uh, they've supplied water and they cut the pipes up and turn them into missiles and fire them back at Israel. And the other thing you've got to remember is that while you know everyone's going on about the bloodshed and all that and all that, and a lot of it could not might not actually be a hundred percent true. There may not be eleven thousand people killed. I don't know how they could know that so quickly when Israel's still trying to figure out how many people were slaughtered by Islamic terrorists when they broke the ceasefire, which they're all calling for now, back on October the 7th. So they don't really know exactly what the numbers are. They're still trying to piece it all together. Um, yeah. So I don't know how they do it. You, you, and I don't know why we're so quick to just believe these um, terrorists and their reports. And we saw a situation where someone was being honest in the hospital. And uh, what happened? The... Um, uh, Al Jazeera reporter quickly grabbed the microphone off him and changed the subject. And there was another man who was seen talking. This is a Palestinian man. He was just seen talking to an Israeli soldier, and uh, that fan was man. That quite plump man was found dead. If you, you and I'm sure you would have seen the images. Um, but we're not getting the full picture, especially not from our fake stream media. And the only way to really find out what's going on, I suppose. I don't know if we ever will know because there's propaganda on both sides and of course that is the nature of warfare and it's in a war and you can't stop you they cannot stop because by having a ceasefire now is just going to give the terrorists it's the terrorists that want the ceasefire so that they can regroup and um you know that's that's what they're after okay so now we'll go back to news hub and see if there's any other stories there that are worth mentioning um it's got this Black Friday coming up. Is that on fr- this Friday? Is it the Black Friday week? Oh, it must be Black Friday week from all the way through the week. Countdown are in on that. And uh, that looks like it is uh, pretty much it, really. Um, mm-hmm. Yes, uh, just the weather. The only thing to worry about, I think, cost of living. Everyone's concerned about that. And, um, hmm, yeah, that seems to be it. Yep, that's um, that seems to be all we're going to get. I'll do a re- quick refresh on News Hub, the hub of news, and we'll come back to that at a later date. So we'll go over to Stuff in a moment and see what they've got on offer. It's 20 to 6. Ooh. There is an extremely famous story of, of uh, rabbis, Orthodox Jews at Auschwitz, the, the largest of the death camps of the Nazis, put God on trial for breaking the covenant. Elie Wiesel affirmed that this actually took place. This is not apocryphal. And here is the amazing thing. They gave God a lawyer. They gave God a prosecutor. And the prosecutor won. These religious Jews found God guilty of breaking the covenant. But here's the punchline for Jews anyway. And after they said, and God is found guilty, they said, and now it is time to daven mincha. It is now time for the afternoon prayer. Good mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He broke the covenant, but we're having the afternoon prayer. <laughs> That's uh, Dennis Prager there with Jordan Peterson. Okay, we're over at News Hub. No, we're over at Stuff. Stuff.co.nz, the top story there. We will, uh, will we ever get a government? And this has just come through at 5 o'clock, and the incoming Prime Minister, Christopher Luxon, anticipates being in Auckland for the last few days, for the next few days, as coalition negotiations drag on. And uh, here's the town with the best chance of sunny spell. 
The east of the North Island is forecast to have the wettest weather for the next two days, while four days of sunshine are expected in another part of the country. Should we go and find out where it is? Let's have a look. It looks very nice. Um, after a grey wet weekend across much of the North Island, improving conditions are expected for the next couple of days for many parts, but rain is forecast to continue in the east. Much of the South Island is forecast to be mainly dry for most of the week, and some showers at times, with the Met Service predicting Nelson as having the best chance of a run of sunny days. In the east of the North Island, periods of rain, I think we've read all about that, haven't we? So it looks like Nelson's the place to be, so book your ticket and head to Nelson. 24-hour GP visits coming for all uh, rural Kiwis. Rural communities around New Zealand will soon have access to overnight GP appointments as Tiwatu Aura that is New Zealand Health, I suppose. It rolls a new uh, telehealth primary care service. I wonder who's running that out. So who's running the show? Well, um, before we've even got a government, I suppose it's the bureaucrats. They're the ones that are actually running it. Eh? They just carry on, carry on going. Rural communities around New Zealand will soon have access to overnight GP appointments as New Zealand Health. They roll out a what they call a telehealth primary care service. And uh, so the provider... Are contracted to carry out, so it's not even part of the government. They've got some contractors that's costing taxpayers dearly. Uh, that will have to be looked at again with the incoming new government. Sounds expensive, and hiring third party. This is probably is this the Maori thing? Maybe it is. It's the new Maori health thing that we we end up paying for. You know, every ordinary taxpayers, working people pay for people that aren't working. <laughs> that's how it works. Uh, there's going to be tw- twenty general practices. It says it's working hard to hard to onboard as many as possible for the holiday season. The initiative is specifically aimed at supporting rural health staff and improving access for patients. Well, mostly Maori are in the health, they're huge, they're huge in the country. That's why they don't do so well apparently in health getting support because it's the rural hospitals and medical facilities that, that are actually poorly understaffed. And that's why Maori don't do so well. So it's got nothing to do with race or anything like that. It's all to do with geographics, really, geography. Um, there's going to be one rural health leader um, who who has actually said that telehealth won't be the silver bullet to fix New Zealand's rural health workforce shortages. Of course not. I agree with that. The telecare is a partnership between three well-established telehealth providers, Research, Aotearoa, Practice Plus and Emergency Consult. So we've got just three public-private. It's a public-private thing, isn't it? It's fascism. (laughs) General Manager Weiss White said that it's important for practices to know that they weren't there to take patients but to support practices by creating extra capacity. What does that mean, General? It doesn't make sense, does it? Maybe I just can't read. To know that they weren't there to take patients but to support practices by creating extra capacity. Oh, okay. Um, her team were working hard to create trust with the GPs and help them understand their role, she said. Uh, I can smell a rat with this one, but I'm, we'll have a closer look at it um, this week and I'll see what I can bring you. Uh, adding to bedside overnight support. What's all this about? And we end up paying for it. She explained that the patient could either phone an 0800 number or their GP, GP, in which case the call would be forwarded to the service so they get the call. So what is it, just telef- telephonists? The service is uh, subsidised by Tiwata or it's, so it's not subsidised by taxpayers 
and the nurses' consultations are free. No, they're not free. Nothing's free. We pay for it. Taxpayers pay for it. Anyway, that's that crazy story. Just another wasteful thing, if you ask me. Just employ nurses. Give them decent pay. And uh, if you'd not force them to wear masks and get jabbed with this experimental biological agent, which we're not going to let you forget about, we wouldn't have the shortage in the first place. And it's happened all over the world, so it's not just New Zealand. So we know that is the elephant in the room. It's those jolly jabs. Um, Now, Kaylee Bell, she's the country singing sensation. She's headlining at the Coca-Cola Christmas in the park. And uh, so we'll have a... Oh, it's an advertisement. Look at that. You can look at that yourself over at stuff.co.nz. Now, what else have we got? Chilly nights turn turn hot as Dilwali Curry on fire competition. Uh, Curry of fire competition, I should say. Finding the liquid lava champion. Oh, that's when people have to actually eat this stuff. And uh, boy, it's pretty hot. I don't know if I'd want to be involved in that. Developer quashes rumours about the sale of mega subdivision. Who is that? And we've also got that golf course, haven't we? Up in, um, down in Owapin, wherever you live, uh, Whangaroa Peninsula. And uh, we've got a guy, that, a developer, who's actually in, rec- in receivership or in bankruptcy. So his accountant's actually running his companies at the moment. But he's bought the golf course at Whangaroa Peninsula, and it's just rack and ruin, apparently, at the moment. So he's going to turn that into a whole bunch of houses, and the locals are trying to stop it. Now, the developer quashes rumours about the sale of the mega Mangawai subdivision. Uh, the developer of a 1,200-house subdivision in Mungawai, north of Auckland, has decided to sell the lot despite stage one of the development having already been partially sold. Mungawai, hang on, developer has decided to sell. Not oh, okay. He is selling. Mungawai Central was anticipated uh, to roughly double the population of the seaside village, prompting the arrival of a New World supermarket and a Bunnings warehouse. However, work reportedly slowed to near halt at the end of last year and a the Greenfield site remains without houses five years after plans were unveiled. Staff member at Golden Homes, which has been selling house and land packages, said that um, they'd been seeking clarification from the developer about the situation. And we've had enough questions asked of us. Now we have to get some facts. The industry runs on rumours. It's a terrible thing, according to this person. The town has been uh, among the highest performing in terms of property values in the northern region, with the median house price matching Auckland exceeding $1 million. Considered by some to be the next Omaha, Omaha, uh, it's White Sandy Beach, and uh, it has uh, it's only about an hour and a half from Auckland and it's nestled next to two of the country's highest-end luxury golf courses, but not including the Wangaparoa one. So Stuff, the journalists there, the Bloodhounds, they tracked down the developer uh, of the company, Central Limited. It's Brian Hong Bio Chen, uh, he referred uh, who referred a journalist to Collier's real estate agent, Josh Coburn. Coburn said the timing of the sale was a result of a planned exit by the investor uh, that had always been on the cards. He said that an incoming developer would be obliged to honour any ex- pre-existing sold packages via the overall sales agreement for the subdivision. There we are. That's enough of that story. So I've got 
got a bit waylaid. Hey, when I come back, I'm going to have a look at Australian news, and we will be looking at Sky News Australia in just a moment. I was invited to debate the head of the largest atheist organization in the U.S. in Minneapolis about 15 years ago. And I looked at the audience at one point, about 400 atheists, and I said, uh, would you raise your hand if you ever doubt your atheism? For example, if you've seen your child born or any child mm-hmm. born or anything like or heard a Beethoven symphony, did you ever, do you ever doubt your atheism? Not one hand went up. Mm-hmm. And then I said, you think we religious people don't question ourselves. You don't question yourself because every religious person I have ever spoken to, and that's thousands upon thousands, has acknowledged that they doubt their, their faith at times and they struggle with it. We struggle, you don't. Dennis uh, Prager there, Dennis Prager. Okay, it's 10 to 6. We've got news coming up from TNT Radio at 6. We're over at Sky News right now, just having a quick look at the headlines over there, and it's all about the voting. I think Malgrave voters sent Jacinda Allen strong message despite Labour win. Uh, Victorian opposition leader John Prosuto uh, says the voters sent the Premier Jacinta Allen a strong message with a significant swing against the state government in the Malgrave uh, by-election despite Eden Foster's win. In Queensland and the first homeowner grant will double in an attempt to help at least 12,000 people break into the housing market. Labour retains a seat in Mulgrave by-election. Labour re- retains a seat of Mulgrave despite its primary vote suffering a hit. And Labour leading in the race to retain the former Premier Daniel Andrews' seat of Mulgrave. Victorian Labour is leading in the race to retain the former Premier Daniel Andrews' seat in the Mulgrave. However, Labour appears to be suffering the swing. Uh, Counting underway. Gosh, it's the same news all the way through. It's all about this thing here. What about John Howard? What What does it say about him? Ashamed of the recent mistreatment towards Jewish community. Good on you, John Howard. Former Prime Minister John Howard has expressed his shame for the recent acts of anti-Semitism seen in Australia. And more in politics, Australian government imposes sanctions on Hamas members. Good. The Australian government has imposed its first round of sanctions on Hamas in response to the attack on Israel last month. And South Australia Police Commissioner's son on life support after alleged hit and run. 18-year-old son of South Australia's Police Commissioner is on a life support system in hospital after being hit uh, in a hit and run accident in South Australia in a, place, in a place called Adelaide. Former Prime Minister ashamed of the treatment towards Jewish people. I think we just read that. There's a lot of repetition here on this one. Uh, parental mental health issues affect 100,000 uh, perinatal, I should say. <laughs> 100,000 Australian families per year. Uh, those issues, uh, according to Health Week, aim to raise the awareness and uh, destigmatize perinatal health issues. Yes, I'm not sure about that. What's that little baby's? Yes, it's antenatal sort of stuff. And what else have we got here? 5,000 people. Uh, walk homes. What? 5,000 walk homes. Walk homes by red frogs during schoolies. What's all schoolies? They've always put an E on the end. I suppose, it, I suppose it's schoolies. Is, oh, I know what schoolies is. It's when all the kids go on holiday and they go nuts. Uh, red frogs founder Andy Goolies says the support group do about 5,000 walk homes over the course of schoolies. Oh, does anyone understand that? I don't know. I don't know whether I want to read it. 
Should we have a look? Oh, look, we might. Let's see if, let's see if they can. We might actually have. I'll clip to unmute. Joining it. me now is Andy Gawley, founder of Red Frogs. Andy, hello. <laughs> so, um, you G'day. know, it's, it's promising to hear that, uh, you know, there's a bit of a decrease in binge drinking, an increase in illicit drugs, but you've certainly uh, well and truly prepared you and the team. What have you been doing? Yeah, well, we just checked in uh, 624 workers yesterday on the Gold Coast, waiting for 18,000 to 20,000 arriving right today as we speak. And uh, we'll be doing the check-ins and just assuring those parents that it, it's OK, you know, they're going to survive. But uh, also, you know, getting out those safety messages to make sure you're walking in groups as schoolies. Don't drink too much alcohol during that time and be safe on those verandas, particularly in the high-rise buildings as well. Yeah, so true. And really one of your most important messages is, uh, you know, to to leave, uh, not leave your mates and, you know, really stay together because that's really, really important. Yeah, absolutely. We actually do a lot of walk homes. We do about 5,000 walk homes over schoolies. In fact, one of our teams broke the record last year, 36.5 Ks and walk homes in one day. Uh, but it gets people home safely, making sure they're not, you know, sleeping off on the beach and getting them home. But we really encourage schoolies walking groups unfortunately there are some predators out there not as many these days but but play it safe walking groups or if you lose your friends ring the red frogs on a red frog hotline or download the red frog app and we can walk you home get you home safely and just looking at some of that vision i mean there's just so many people going out there celebrating they've had years of study and a lot of challenges as well as we all know and we're all feeling but um, again those really strong messages why do you think binge drinking for example has dropped 15 percent yeah that's really interesting we've seen that too the last five years uh really drop off so many more non-drinkers um it's almost like they're swapping beers for boost juices these days we see it at the cafes like they used to be ghost towns 9 10 in the morning now they're full of schoolies doing their smashed over and lattes so a little bit of a culture change also i think money's an issue too they're not wanting to spend much but also they're getting a little bit smarter they're realizing Waking up with peas and carrots on your shirt in the morning and your head feels like a semi-trailer hit it isn't the wisest option. So there's a little bit of maturity coming a bit earlier, but we're loving it. There's more designated sober people in those parties and that makes a huge difference. So again, if you're not a big drinker, you're the best asset to your mate at schoolies, that's for sure. Yeah, good, good advice there. And I tell you what, avocados are a lot cheaper than what they used to be as well. So true, so true. <laughs> well, I mean, it just sounds like it's going to be so much fun. And again, you've got, uh, what, 100,000 pancakes, 24 tonnes of red frogs. And, uh, and it just sounds like your team is really encouraging and there for support. And as you said as well, for parents who might be worried at home. Yeah, absolutely. We really encourage parents also to make, do some pre-made meals if they are going to schoolies because they need to be eating well and buy heaps of slabs of water because alcohol does dehydrate you. So keeping hydrated is really important. And also to let them, make sure they download the Red Frog app or the Red Frog phone number in their phone so they can call us for walk homes as well. But a big message to get through to young people is don't be afraid to ring triple zero. Sometimes they feel a bit awkward. They think they're going to get in trouble, but that goes to the AMBOs, not police, and they're not going to get in trouble. So always ring triple zero for a medical emergency. And if your mate's struggling, it's so important you do that. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, talking about the high rises as well, because that has been certainly one thing that we have to really keep in mind. And it doesn't take much at all, does it? 
That's right. And we always encourage, you know, make sure you're clearing those empties off the veranda. We don't want to see them as projectiles coming off buildings. And also, to any furniture on the on the verandas, move it towards the, the, the actual door you come through. Don't put it near the railing in case, you know, they, people are leaning on it over the side of that. But also be very safe on those verandas. It's so important. And with the increase in illicit drugs, what are you seeing and, and what kind of help and support are people needing? Yeah, the most common type of drug use we see is experimental, where someone's already drunk a lot and they preed a lot and they're already drunk and someone in a party goes, here, try this, and they just do it because they're already drunk. So we really encourage, look out for your mates. If they pre-drunk a lot, don't let it, some feral give them something in a party. You've got to look after them and make sure you're there for your mate and just be that early intervention, which it goes a long way. But the AMBOs have done a great job. They've got a hotel emergency response team, a hurt team. They can come up and assess your mate in the room and, and see if he, she or she's all right. They can just sleep it off. Well, let's take them down to triage or let's go down to Gold Coast Hospital. So the AMBOs are doing a great job and all the other referral services here are amazing. And often when you're in the moment, you don't think you're excited, you don't think of the consequences. What message would you give to schoolies heading out so they can program it in their brain before they get to that excited stage? Yeah, it's so important. Don't get caught up in the artificial hype at schoolies. And a good way of doing that is to have a buddy system, a mate system, where some, you've got someone has got your back. But if you're stepping out of character, maybe doing something you normally wouldn't do, give them permission to get you out of those situations. So you find a buddy system or mate system really works well at schoolies week. And also, too, don't get caught up in the artificial hype. And again, if you're not a big drinker, you're the best asset to your mates during this big schoolies festival. So be yourself and also watch your social media. Uh, don't upload too many sketchy photos. You need to get a job after schoolies. Great advice and well done to you and all the team and we wish you a very safe and fun time, Andy Gawley, Red Frogs founder. There is the hotline, 1300 557 and uh, we'll talk to you again soon. Thank you. Okay, that is from Sky News Australia and uh, we've got news with TNT Radio coming up right away and it's the schoolies. That's when the school leavers go into town and the Gold Coast, they all head to the Gold Coast, they get absolutely trashed and it's just drunkenism, uh, sexual perversion, and uh, all sorts of venereal diseases, you name it. It all happens on the Gold Coast at this time of the year. Okay, we're moving to TNT Radio now, and uh, I'll catch you with the weather straight after that. this show simply go to episodes at tntradio.live now tnt radio news taking a look back at some of the news that shaped the past week i'm matt boyland the united nations secretary general demanded israel stop bombing civilians and places of safety in gaza the intensifying conflict is shaking the world rattling the region and most tragically destroying so many innocent lives. UN chief Antonio Guterres said no one is safe from Israel's bombardment, saying the Gaza Strip had become a graveyard for civilians, including children, journalists and UN workers. I'm deeply concerned about clear violations of international humanitarian law that we are witnessing. Ground operations by the Israel Defense Forces and continued bombardment are hitting civilians, hospitals, refugee camps, mosques, church, and UN facilities, including shelters. No one is safe. 
Gaza is becoming a graveyard for children. Hundreds of girls and boys are reportedly being killed or injured every day. More journalists have reportedly been killed over a four-week period than in any conflict in at least three decades. More United Nations aid workers have been killed than in any comparable period in the history of our organization. The UN chief also took aim at Hamas and called for the immediate release of hostages. At the same time, Hamas and other militants use civilians as human shields and continue to launch rockets indiscriminately towards Israel. I reiterate my utter condemnation of the abhorrent acts of terror perpetrated by Hamas on 7 October and repeat my call for the immediate, unconditional and safe release of hostages held in Gaza. Nothing can justify the deliberate torture, killing, injuring and kidnapping of civilians. The Secretary-General said the need for a humanitarian ceasefire is growing more urgent with every passing hour. Okay, we'll be uh, back in a moment with some weather for New Zealand. The TNT Shop has great gift ideas for your furry family member at tntradio.live. I really don't want to hear Allo Akbar shouted again on my streets. It's a war cry. The Hamas terrorists are shouting Allo Akbar all the way through, all the way through, as they are using a shovel to decapitate a young man. With every blow of the shovel, they shout Allo Akbar when they go into rape and um, murder all these young women in a room. They're shouting Allahu Akbar the whole time and they find a young woman hiding under a table, pretending to be dead, and they realize she's alive. And they begin killing her. They're shouting Allahu Akbar all the time. And they're so elated. And they phone home. One disgusting young Hamas guy shouts, shouts from the phone of one of his victims, his father in Gaza, saying, I have killed with my own hands 10 Jews. Your son has killed 10 Jews. And the mother is put on the phone and they're all shouting Allahu Akbar and they're so proud of him. Douglas Murray. Douglas Murray there, four minutes past six. Good morning. Welcome to the Liberty NZ Breakfast. We'll go to weather now and the short forecast for Northland to Waitomo, including the Coromandel area, Bay of Plenty and Taupo. Showers, some heavy with thunderstorms and hail is also possible this afternoon and evening. For Taranaki to Manawatu, including Taramanui, Taihapi, Gisborne and the Wairapa, periods of rain from, 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 I don't know when, periods of rain with some heavy fall. Rain easing outside of Gisborne and the Hawke's Bay this afternoon and evening. For Horofenua or Winua, the um, or whenever or whatever, uh, Wellington had cloudy periods with patchy rain. Fine spells increasing in the Horofenua area and also uh, that's going to be happening this afternoon. Also Wellington this evening, I should say. Uh, Nelson and Buller, partly cloudy, isolated showers, some heavy, possibly thundery this afternoon and evening inland. For Marlborough, Canterbury, Otago and also for Southland, you've got low cloud and patchy drizzle clearing this morning. However, scattered afternoon and evening showers, mainly about the ranges where some may be heavy and you may have some thunderstorms there as well for you. For Westland and Fiordland, fine, but you've got some evening cloud in Fiordland. And finally, for the Chathams, mostly cloudy, and your drizzle is going to be clearing. Nothing like drizzle clearing, is it? Yeah, no, no. Uh, I remember being stunned when uh, people started cursing publicly. Having come from a yeshiva religious background, Ben would have the very similar response, and, and maybe even someone from, from a strongly Christian background, that... We understood people say expletives, etc. But that it became normative in society 
to me, that was uh, Wilson, Jane Q. Wilson's uh, Broken Windows. To me, the, the, the holy is the, is the window that's broken. When you break the holy, you don't immediately break the ethical. Mm. Secular people think we don't need holy stuff. That's nonsense. We just need ethics, but mm -hmm. it's not true. That's why I say it protects the ethical. Mm -hmm. Holy, 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 Ten Commandments. Ah, uh, that is Dennis Prager with, um, what's his name? Uh, Jordan Peterson over there. Yeah, uh, now we're over at IDF at the moment, idf.il. I'm trying to find my way around this website. It's not easy, I'll tell you. It says here, live Hamas, uh, live Hamas war Israel. Okay, so I'll click on that and see if I can get some updates. Here we go. So um, it says here, uh, on October the 7th, 2023, the Hamas terrorists, I like the way they say that, organization invaded Israel and brutally, brutally massacred and attacked civilians in the southern region. Uh, 1,300 now Israelis are confirmed murdered and hundreds were abducted into Gaza. Hamas's brutal invasion and non-stop rocket fire towards Israel, uh, it catalyzed the ongoing war against uh, Hamas, uh, in which IDF, the Israeli Defense Force, has only one goal, dismantle the Hamas terrorist organization, military and administrative cap capacity. Okay, now we have got um, some other news here. Over 6,000 litres of water and 2,300 kg kilograms, I guess, of food were transferred to Shiva Hospital by Israeli Defense Force. And uh, so we'll just zoom in on that because we're not hearing this, are we? We're not getting this in our news. The IDF troops via the Coordination and Liaison Administration, the CLA for Gaza, transferred over 6,000 litres of water and over 2,300 kilograms. So that's uh, 2.3 tonnes of food, including fish, canned food, bread, spreads and dates to the Shiva hospital. The activity was done in a para in parallel with the IDF activities to locate and thwart terrorism in the hospital because the terrorists hold up in there. Furthermore, uh, they've got underground tunnels. Uh, furthermore, this morning the uh, Israeli Defence Force uh, it says here that it acceded to the request of the director of Shiva Hospital. Um, to enable additional Gazans who were in the hospital uh, to enable them uh, to enable additional Gazans who were in the hospital and would like to evacuate to do so via secure secure routes that can go out through Israel. Attached is a recording of a conversation between a senior official uh, in the Coordination and Liaison Administration with Gaza. So let's let's see if we can hear that. Uh, it says it's attached. Okay, this this. Let's try this, and see if we can. Oh, it doesn't look very happy. It's gone into sort of HTML code. So it didn't like me. Didn't like me. So their websites and our website don't really like each other. So I'll try something else. I'll copy the link and I'll post it in Chrome and see if that's. See if it will play there. Shall we do that? Yeah, it's uh, nine minutes past six. No, it didn't like that either. Comes up with an error. Okay, well, we tried. Um, so that is that little story, and I'll just... Uh, well, it's not a little story, it's a big one. That's incredible. We, now, we're not hearing that, are we? 
uh, we're just all we're hearing about is stop, you know, cease fire and all that, but they can't cease fire. And they're then they are they are not fighting continuously. They are helping. They're great soldiers. They're the most um, moral army in the world, and uh, there's no other army that looks after the rights of civilians in a combat zone better than the Israeli Defence Force, according to General Kemp, a Colonel Kemp rather, who was um, he was in Afghanistan. He he actually I think he led the Afga- Af- um, the forces the um, British forces in Afghanistan. Uh, the body of Corporal Nola Marciano uh, was extracted adjacent to the Shiva Hospital. That's a shame. Uh, and the Iron Sting GPS and laser-guided mortar munitions. I'm not sure what that is all about. It says here, meet the IDF's newly operational system. Meet the system. And uh, it's called the Iron Sting GPS laser-guided mortar munitions. A mere few days after the beginning of the war, the advanced Iron Sting mortar munition was made operational by the Magdalen uh, Commando Unit. The mortar is one of its kind in many aspects, but particularly uh, in its level of precision. Our troops in the field are able to direct it using not one but two components, a laser and a GPS which are integrated into its structure. And this is the thing, we, you know, the, the Israeli Defence Force, they're being accused of carpet bombing by, you know, half-wits from the Western media, both the mainstream and also the fake stream. And it's, you know, it's beginning, I'm beginning to see that even the, even the um, now, it's all, it's really, uh, we're now seeing what people are made of. We're seeing people in the uh, alternative media, media also um, resorting to anti-Semitism, it really just shows you the true heart of them, doesn't it? If they if they hate the Jews, if they like make up lies about the Jews, pretending that they're some there's some evil plot of all Jews that are involved this, um, in Zionism, they turn that and make it out to sound like it's something evil and wicked when it just means a homeland for the Jews, nothing more. Zion, of course, is all through the Bible. Hundreds of mentions of the word Zion. It's a, the title of Jerusalem, Zion by the rivers of Babylon. Um, we remember Zion. Remember that that song by Boney M. So it's all about you didn't hate Zionism then, but you do now because you're believing this modern day anti-Semitism. And we know that it all comes from Rome, the enemy of the Jewish people, and also the enemy of the true Bible believers as well. They invented this replacement theology so that every time the word Israel is mentioned, it doesn't actually mean Israel. It means the Roman Catholic Church. Of course, they don't say that. They just say the church, and people think, oh. That's all Christians, but of course, the Roman Catholics, it's not actually Christianity. Um, it's actually a, a form of paganism, um, Babylonian goddess worship. If you read the book by Alexander Hislop called The Two Babylons, if you're lucky enough to get hold of that, you probably can get hold of it online, I would think. you probably get a Kindle version of it. I haven't looked. I know you can get The Coming Prince by Sir Robert Anderson, which is brilliant, but um, that would be a good one to, for you to have a read, and it just shows you the parallels between Roman Catholicism and uh the worship of Nimrod and his wife Semiramis and their son uh, Tammuz, and that's what the T is. It's not a cross at all. The pagans wear the cross, but it doesn't mean the cross that Jesus was crucified on. It's actually the the cross. It's a T for Tammuz, who was uh, Nimrod's son, uh, who had an incestuous relationship that Tammuz with his mother, and because the whole all of paganism, all this Babylonian goddess worship, you know Venus, that's um, Easter. Venus, basically worship of Venus, and the V, that's where the word venereal comes from, venereal disease, <laughs> it's all about sex, and um, you know, the phallic symbols and all that, you know, it's all through Rome, or even Washington's got these phallic symbols, all over the world we have these phallic symbols, it's all just ancient Babylonian rubbish, 
really. And, um, you know, the uh, if you want the truth, the only way to get the truth is to grab yourself a King James Bible because most of the new ones have been corrupted by Alexandrian um, Gnostic uh, uh, variations. Uh, so when there's a, a variant reading, they, they since 1881, they draw from the corrupt corrupted Alexandrian text, which sort of belittles Christ, brings Christ down, and, um, you know, takes out important things, you know. Uh, so you really need, to, you know, you can be, you can become a Christian by reading, you know, just not even reading a Bible, just listening to someone. The, the Bible says, "Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God." So you don't have to actually read the word of God to become a Christian. You can just hear the word of God, and the the gospel is very simple. Christ died for your sins and mine, was buried, and three day and died and buried, and three days later rose again from the dead. That is the gospel found in First Corinthians fifteen. You either believe it or you don't. If you believe it. And you you know you accept that you receive that message, and the Bible says, "But as many as received him, that's Jesus Christ, to them gave he power to become the sons of God." And so that's what it is. You don't have to go and get baptized, but you should because it's a church ordinance. It's uh, you should get baptized, and that is an outward expression of your inward belief that we die to self and that we, that we go down into the waters of baptism and come up again. That's like the um, uh, the death and resurrection of Christ. It's basically just a um, just a symbol to uh, to uh, to show an outward expression of what you believe in your heart. Uh, you, you know, yeah, that's what, and that's what I think. Anyway, that's my opinion, <laughs> and um, I'm pretty sure I'm right. But um, you know, no, it could be wrong. Who knows? You've got to make sure we get our interpretation of the Bible uh, correct before the Lord returns. And uh, the Bible does actually say that it's not open to private interpretation. So. Um, it would be my advice not to listen to what other people tell you the Bible says, just to read those words. And it actually says, you know, if you've, if you've called out to the Lord, the Bible says, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord, and his name is not, it's not you don't have to use some Hebrew word like some of them are doing. That's more false rubbish. You know, in English, his name is the Lord Jesus Christ. If you call out to him, the Bible says, neither is there salvation in any other for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes unto the Father but by me. Not through Allah, not through Muhammad, not through Mary, but by me. And you do that in the Spirit, don't you? You call out to him, dear Lord, please forgive me. I, I realize I am a sinner. You don't. It's not like abracadabra. You know, it's the Lord is interested in what you in what you believe. He wants you to believe Him, that He came to this earth in human form, as the Son of God, Jesus Christ, lived the perfect life, kept the kept the Jewish law, kept the Ten Commandments for you, never sinned, and then He was offered as a ransom for your sin and mine. And all we have to do is believe that. And you say, oh, that takes faith. Yes, it does. It does take faith. The just shall live by faith. So there's nothing you can do to become justified, but the Lord has made you. It's as just as though you've never sinned when when you put your trust in the blood of Jesus Christ, that his blood was so precious and so powerful and um, uh, it was able to, not only is he able to forgive you because of that blood that was shed for you once and for all, 2,000 years ago, but that he will not only forgive your sins, but he will he'll wash you clean. But he can't forgive them 
until you put your trust in that blood that Christ died for you. He died for you. He shed his blood. His body was broken. His blood was shed. And if you don't believe that, you cannot be saved. It's all about belief. And um, that's, that's really what righteousness is, is when you believe God. You, you're not, you have no righteousness in your own. There's no good thing that dwells in men except the Spirit of God when you ask the Lord to forgive you and believe him that he died for your sins, that he came to earth in human form and laid down his life. A lot of people say, oh, no, that's not right. Jesus, the Son of God's not God, but the Bible says he is God. John 1 says, in the beginning was the Word, with a capital W signifying deity. And we know it's referring to Jesus, because further down in John chapter 1, it says, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And, the, and this is John saying, and we beheld his glory. That's the apostles. They've seen God. They say, we beheld his glory, the only begotten of the Father. And that's Jesus Christ. Who, and it says he is God. And the corrupt a New World translation by the Jehovah's Witnesses, who have put in a lot of work, but they're sincerely wrong. Uh, they say that Jesus is a God, and there is no indefinite article in the Greek. And so that in itself is a lie. But we know that it's a religion created by Satan himself, who is the father of lies. He's a liar, and he was from the beginning. Uh, he's the father of it. And uh, so uh, if you want to follow after his lies, instead of reading what the Bible says, which is truth, John seventeen seventeen says, Thy word is truth. And if you want the truth, you follow Jesus. And you follow him in the word of God, don't you? And the New Testament is where we begin. Why is that? Well, because we're living in New Testament times, and God has written a new will for the people of earth. It's a new will. The old has passed away. The people that are not Christians are under the old law. They are under that. They are bound to that. Just like a, a wife is bound to her husband so long as he liveth. A lot of you Christian women think you can go off and get remarried when your husband's divorced you or, or you've divorced him. Usually that's the case. 80% of women are the ones that actually step out of the marriage. Kick, they don't, they don't um, leave. No, they kick you out. They kick the man out. It's normally that's the case. But you're actually bound to your husband. You can't marry anyone else. It's impossible. You're not allowed to. Uh, a man can remarry, but you can't. Why is that? I don't know. I don't know why. But that's, that's, you see how the, the, the Bible has, has equated marriage. It's like the law. Jesus said a man, a, a woman is bound to her husband so long as he liveth. And if you are a non-believing Christian, you are bound to the law. Sorry, if you're a non-believer, you're not a Christian, you are bound to the law. And you're under the law, you're under that. And you're cursed by it because you can't keep it. And so you'll end up having to pay for your own sins in hell. That's what the Bible says. But through Jesus Christ, he's brought a new covenant. He releases you from that old one, that it dies. And then you have the new covenant, the covenant of his blood, which was shed for you 2,000 years ago. Not over and over in the Mass with the Roman Catholic pagans, the Babylonian goddess worship. No, that's just a counterfeit of Christianity. It's not true Christianity. It's not Bible Christianity. They all use the Bible. Of course they do. The devil's not stupid. You know, he's involved in the fake transfer, transfers, um, what do you call it, translations. He's involved in that. 
He's right up to his armpits in that one. And he's been around for thousands of years. He knows exactly how to deal with us. He knows exactly what he's doing. You can't fool him. And you know, the Bible says you actually belong to him. You are a child of disobedience unless you are free from the law of sin and death. And the way to be free from those Ten Commandments, which have, which are a curse to you because you haven't been able to keep them, none of us can, is to be free from them by putting your trust in the blood of Jesus Christ, which was shed for you once and for all 2,000 years ago on that Roman cross, Calvary. And you know the King James Bible is the only Bible that says that word, Calvary? You won't find it in any of the new corruptions. I know. Isn't that it's interesting, isn't it? Where we learn that? On Calvary. Calvary Baptist Church. I hope Calvary Baptist Church use the King James Bible because that's the only place you'll find the word Calvary. That's right. And the only place you'll find, the only Bible you'll find the word Easter is in the King James Bible as well. Well, why is that? Oh, it must be a mistake. The Greek word says Pascha. No, no, no. The Passover and Easter are two different ceremonies. And we know that they're not the same because in Acts 12, verse 3, it says, These are the days of unleavened bread. And the days of unleavened bread always follow the Passover. And the only way these people can, can, can belittle the King James Bible and say, See, Easter's wrong. Greek word is um, Passover. The only way they can do it is to say, Well, they should have written Easter because um, they, they pretend that Passover... Uh, sorry, they should have written Passover, but it's not. Easter's correct because it's a different ceremony. Um, they say that the Passover and the Days of Unleavened Bread are all one, but they're not. They're not. It's a separate ceremony. It's a separate event, the Passover, when the angel passed over those houses in Egypt and all those that had the blood of that lamb that they had to kill and take the blood and put it over the lintel and down the doorpost. And when the angel saw those that blood of the lamb, which was symbolic of the Jesus to come, the Messiah, um, he passed over and he didn't, no one died in that house. They were safe within, they were covered by the blood of the Lamb. And the same for us, it's a picture you see, we are covered by the, not only covered, we're more than covered, we are actually forgiven and washed clean. And they couldn't get that, that's why they had to keep sacrificing lambs every year, sacrificing animals for the sins of the people. But with Jesus Christ's blood, it's so precious and so powerful and so... uh, Precious, powerful, um, wow, I don't know what else could it be. Well, it is just pure as well. Precious, powerful, and pure uh, that it's able to wash away all your sins if you believe he died for you. If you don't believe he did that for you, if you don't believe that Jesus Christ, God himself in human form, died on that cross 2,000 years ago, laid his life down for your sin, that you broken the laws, then he cannot save you. You will die in your sins. Except you believe that I am he, Jesus said. Ye, meaning more than one, plural for you, a group of you, ye shall die in your sins. And we will not make liars out of the Bible. It's 25 minutes past six, and um, we are looking at the IDF and finding out what they say about what's going on. And so they say here that the um, operating teams... Uh, they f- uh, it feeds the target uh, location 
into the more oh hang on I'm getting I'm, we're talking about something else there I thought we were talking about feeding the, the kids in the Al Shiva hospital but now we've moved on to this iron string haven't we so basically they, my point is that uh, with this article they were they're not just carpet bombing like so many people are saying they're very strategic they're trying to they're trying to get rid of the terrorists without harming civilians which is they're the only army in the world that, that are skilled at this there's no one better and you can't believe the numbers that are coming out of Gaza because it's coming up coming from the terrorists so I mean obviously lots of people die lots of civilians die in war that's the nature of it but you can't stop um, we didn't stop when we were bombing Dresden we the British forces um, we bombed Dresden and uh, thousands of children way more civilian children died in the Second World War in Germany the Germans than the British and um, you know so just because there's been a, there's a lot of um, Palestinian, so-called Palestinian, the Arabs, a lot of their children have died. That doesn't mean to say that Israel are the baddies. I mean, you would argue, you would have to say, well, why isn't Hamas helping them get free? Well, it's because the Muslims don't love other Arabs, and they are using women and children and civilians as uh, they think that they can stop uh, Israel from attacking them. So they're using them as a human shield. Uh, and people want to forget this. They just want all they want to do is because they're anti-Semitic, because they hate uh, the Jews. It's in them. There's something spiritually wrong with people that think this, and they just have a presupposition, sort of a disposition, a predisposition to hate the Jews. And often they don't even know why. And often it's just because um, they're better than them. They're better than you are. They're more intelligent than you are. They're richer than you. Uh, they're more entrepreneurial than than most of us. And um, they've been blessed by God with brain, with intelligence, with brains, and so of course you would be. Then if you're if you're blessed by Almighty God, they are the Lord's chosen people, and uh, we are so lucky as Christians to be able to. Um, you know, we can't. We have to read the book of Romans. Paul very clearly says, you know, that God hasn't done away with the Jews. And uh, his hope was that all the Jews would be safe. He says, I am a Jew. So when people say, oh, well, see, Jew, that's not the right word. It doesn't mean that. So he said, I'm going to make you one people. That's what it says in Ezekiel 37. When he brings you back into the land, which he's done, he started doing that. Even Golda Meir, she was there from 1921 up until uh, 1948, before the, um, uh, before the bulk of the Israelis returned or the Jewish people returned to Israel and set up the state, and straight away they were attacked by these Arabs uh, who hate them, hate their guts. So first of all, the Arabs they hate, who do, what do they want? Well, here's what they want. They want the annihilation, the total destruction of the Jewish people. And my first experience was that was in 1967 during the Six-Day War at Levin North Primary School where our teacher sat us little six-year-olds down, six- and seven-year-olds, and said, the Jews have stolen the land from the Palestinians. I'm not sure if she used the word Palestinian. I think she said just Arab, because it wasn't that popular a term. It was just Jews and Arabs. Uh, but it was Yasser Arafat which really coined the phrase Palestinian, uh, which is separate from the word Palestine. That was uh, Syria-Palestina, and that was Hadrian. He changed the name from Israel to uh, Syria-Palestina or Philistina. Um, back then, that's the um, Hadrian, the Roman Hadrian, uh, to wipe the name of Israel off the map. Another enemy of the Lord's people, the pagan Romanist. And uh, so anyway, um, so Israel is um, is God's chosen uh, nation. 
and they are not some other spiritual thing. They are the Jews that have been returning since 1948. That's who they are. And this, all this talk about Zionist conspiracy and all that sort of stuff, that's just a, another prong, another one of the many multi-pronged attacks against the Lord's people, against the Jewish people which he hasn't forgotten, which he's bringing back into the land of Israel and is, and is restoring them. And one day they will all realize that Jesus Christ is their Messiah. But right now they are veiled. The Bible tells us that he's, that blindness in part um, has been caused to Israel, even though they're so intelligent. But it's going to happen until the times of the Gentiles be, be fulfilled. And so we're still in the times of the Gentiles, which began uh, at the cross when Jesus Christ was crucified. And rose rose again, and um, up until the rapture, when we are when he he rose again, and we are also going to rise again. So those that are in the grave, the Bible says, those Christians that are in the grave will be uh, raised up to life, and the those that are living that, that have faith in Jesus Christ, their bodies will be changed, and then it says that we'll be caught up uh, together with them. That's the ones that have passed away that believe in Jesus, it's almost like sleeping in Jesus, the Bible sometimes uses terms like that, will be caught up together with them in the clouds, the same way the Lord went, to meet the Lord in the air. He's going to meet us in the air. And from there we go to the judgment seat of Christ, then the marriage supper of the Lamb. And while this is happening, we're going to have Daniel's final week, the week of Jewish calendar years, uh, which is going to happen on earth. It's going to be a terrible time. Lots of life loss, loss of life. The Antichrist will be revealed. Um, he'll cause uh, people that are left on earth here to have uh, a mark in their right hand and in their forehead, uh, either in, not on, in, it says, and it'll probably be a medicating identification system. And because we, we know that it says that all those that receive this mark, uh, which make it in a uh, they discount, they're not able to, they ruin their opportunity to be saved. So even if they want to believe, they cannot be. They're not, uh, they, something happens to them, um, I don't know whether they're genetically modified, don't know. Um, but they, they can't buy or sell unless they have this mark in their right hand or in their forehead. And you read that in Revelation 13. For those of you who have never read it before, you better start reading it. Get yourself a King James Bible. You can buy them all over the place. Just be careful it's not a corrupted one. And don't buy a new King James. That is a counterfeit King James Bible. It is not the King James Bible. Uh, so you need to get yourself one of those. And then you can get all the words of God. Because Bible that Jesus said, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. Every word, and we need them all uh, to be to be actually to grow as Christians. We need them all. We can't just have some of them. And uh, you can't be reading from corrupt Bible versions because if you do, you're not going to be fed properly. And the Bible says, "As newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the Word, that ye may grow thereby." And the corrupt versions have changed that. They're saying, "As newborn babies desire spiritual milk, that you may grow up to be saved." <laughs> it's completely different. It doesn't mean that it doesn't mean the same at all. So that's why it's really important. Even the word corrupt, we're not as many which corrupt the word of God. It's found only in the King James Bible. Um, most of them end up cha changing, taking the word corrupt out and replacing it with pedal or sell. And it doesn't mean they're two different meanings. So it's basically teaching you the complete opposite of what the King James Bible is teaching you. And um, so there it is. And so if God can translate, can't he? If he can translate you into the kingdom of his dear son, which the Bible says he can, he should be able to translate a million words, don't you think? 
from m- multiple different languages uh, into um, into English as we know it today. And he only needs to do it once. It doesn't need to be done over and over again. And God's already got all the best words, all the simple words, the simple Anglo-Saxon words. English as we know it today didn't happen until 1611. It was Webster that used the King James Bible to get the meanings of the words for his Webster's Dictionary. So, yeah, that that's it. Okay, so that is it. And uh, so I'll just, um, that is Grant, Grant's little um, conversation there. And uh, let's see. So what is this, this iron sting? That sounds very interesting, doesn't it? So they use laser-guided and GPS. So the two together mean they can be very accurate, and that reduces uh, casualties, civilian casualties. And uh, so we've got some real-time updates here. So we're over at the IDF, and we're getting the news from the Israeli Defense Force instead of through our fake stream media here. And uh, it says here, this is the latest that's just come through. For the first time, a mixed-gender search and rescue battalion. Uh, gender. See, they're a bit confused by it too, aren't they? Um, it's really just sex, isn't it? Boy or, boys or girls, male and female, created here then, but Israel is still far away from God. And uh, But that, that will change. The Bible says it, Ezekiel 36, that they are they will come back to their to their God. But he obviously has to deal deal harshly to them. Now, they've got this mixed-gender unit from the Shah Battalion uh, in a search and rescue brigade. That's the IDF's home front command. And that's joined ground forces operating against Hamas terrorists in the Gaza Strip. Under the command of HTC Yarden, uh, the female and male combat soldiers of the Shakar Battalion use their expertise to search buildings and locate weapons as part of the combined uh, combat forces of the 162nd Division. The soldiers operating in the Shati area, one of Hamas's main operational centres in the Gaza Strip. Soldiers from the Search and Rescue Brigade joined the Commando Brigade during the raid on Hamas terrorist infrastructure in a hotel. The soldiers breached an area in which Hamas weapons and intelligence materials were isolated. Attached is a sink an S-Y-N-C of the commander of the Shakar Battalion, the LTC Yarden. Now, I wonder if that'll play. The other one wouldn't play. Let's just see if this one, this is the video, and there's another one. So there's a couple of videos here. I'll just see if they'll play. They may do. It looks as though it's going to. Oh, jolly good. Here we go. Let's see if it's in English. Okay. So I can read it. The battalion of the significant part of the operational power of the 162nd Division. Our mission is to assist the battalion uh, and to and the important rescue force that needed. I think basically I've read it all. I haven't. Gosh, there she is. There, man. That you can see the mess that's in there. Gaza just looks like a terrible mess. Uh, but there they are, male and female. Uh, soldiers, and we've also read, and there's a New Zealand New Zealand girl. She's been over in Israel for about three years, and she she's with the the uh, the um, Israeli Defence Force. And there was a story in one of the New Zealand papers. I think it was. I'm not sure if it was Radio New Zealand or whether it was Stuff, but uh, she's from Northland, and uh, so she is fighting now. And so they take her phone off her. She can't have her phone all the time. Uh, but uh, once a week, I think she gets to ring her parents, and they're very proud of her. And uh, so there should be. So she's a Jewish New Zealand girl. She's over there fighting. Um, I'll see if I can find that story and um, 
bringing you up today. I think I talked about it earlier on in the morning. It's 24 minutes to 7, and um, as you know, we'll have TNT Radio News at 7 o'clock. And um, so, yeah, those ones, not much good to be reading those because they're in Hebrew, and most of you won't understand that. So what else have we got? Now, the hijacking of a, car- of a cargo ship that uh, has just come through. Uh, that was by the Houthi, uh, the Houthis near Yemen in the southern Red Sea is a very grave incident of global consequence, according to the Israeli Defence Force. The ship departed Turkey on its way to India, uh, staffed by civilians of various nationalities, not including Israelis. It is not an Israeli ship, but it was hijacked anyway. And then a short while ago, two launches from Lebanon towards uh, two launches from Lebanon towards the area of uh, looks like Magal, Magaliot and Kafa Galidi in northern Israel were identified in accordance with protocol. The launches were not intercepted. No injuries were reported. The IDF is striking the sources of the fire. So they're firing back at them. So uh, sometimes it doesn't look like they'll actually use the Iron Dome against them if it looks as though they're just going to land in an area that's not going to be a problem. Uh, they just allow them to come through and and blow up, I think, on impact, but as long as it's not near civilians. Following the report regarding the infiltration of a hostile aircraft in northern Israel earlier today, interceptors were launched towards several suspicious aerial targets that crossed from Lebanon towards the area of Upper Galid in northern Israel. The incident has uh, concluded... Uh, in addition, a short while ago, several launches from Lebanon towards different areas in northern Israel were identified. No injuries were reported, according to IDF. The IDF is striking the sources of fire. So as soon as they fire at them, they fire right back. IDF soldiers of the paratrooper Begray, Brigade, together with the Armoured Corps, uh, Engineer Corps, and the Israeli Air Force, operated in the Sheikh, looks like Ilyen, in the Rimal areas in order to identify and destroy Hamas infrastructure and assets. During the operation, the soldiers located approximately 35 tunnel shafts as well as a large number of weapons and eliminated terrorists. Additionally, the soldiers operated in a Hamas military base belonging to their military intelligence unit. During the operation, IDF soldiers located ammunition depots and also seven rocket launchers embedded in the Ramal area are the residences of senior Hamas officials who took control of the buildings in the area to conduct and direct terrorist activities. And then there's more footage there. Uh, And earlier, following the report regarding sirens that sounded in northern Israel, a suspicious aerial target that crossed from Lebanon was successfully intercepted by the Israeli Defence Force Aerial Defence Array. The IDF was responding with fire towards Lebanon. And a short while ago, approximately 10 mortar shells launched towards the area of of, uh, Shlomi in northern Israel. It was identified. The launches fell in an open area. The IDF was responding with strikes towards the source of the launched. Uh, they were launched from the Lebanese territory. In addition, a short while ago, IDF fighter jets struck Hezbollah terror infrastructure in Lebanon. Uh, and uh, so that looks to be around about it, really. Um, that's all within the last half hour. Sirens sounding in southern Israel. That's a bit earlier on in the day. Um, there we go. And it looks like it's about five or six o'clock over there. Their time. So it'll be Sunday evening. 
Okay, now um, we are going to go across to Reuters and see what they've got on the boil. Have we had a look at the Jerusalem Post? I suppose I should have a look at that. I'll, I'll be, shall I do that? It looks as though it's pretty much pretty similar to what I've been reading, talking about the um, seizure of the ship in the Red Sea and the attack. Uh, yeah, the attack in the Red Sea. And we've got Yah Netanyahu sparks outrage by criticising the IDF, according to a high court. I could have a quick read of that and see what that says. I'm not sure who Yah Netanyahu is. It could be a relation. It might be the son. Oh, the Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu's son sparks controversy with Telegram Channel posting attacks at attacking the IDF, according to uh, court and media. Yah Netanyahu, the son of Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu, sparked a backlash on Saturday night when he posted content on his Telegram channel criticising the Israeli Defence Force, the courts, the media, uh, coinciding with his father's press conference. In one post, he claimed that the decisions made by the High Court of Justice led to charges in the IDF, or rather changes in the IDF's rules of engagement at the Gaza border, enabling Hamas terrorists to approach the border fence. Oh, I see. Okay, so we're starting to find out a little bit um, about uh, how it happened uh, back on October the 7th. Uh, he then shared posts blaming the Israel Defence Force for the failure of October 7th, when Hamas terrorists massacred 1,200 Israelis and kidnapped hundreds to hold hostage in the Gaza Strip. One of those posts alleged that the female outlooks at the Gaza border warned about Hamas provocations, but a senior commander threatened to put them on trial if they continued to harass. In a subsequent post, Yal Netanyahu emphasised that it was the security sector that pushed the send diesel fuel into Gaza Strip. Security sector that pushed to send diesel fuel into Gaza Strip. And there's a photograph of Yarl there and the IDF reservist. That's who he is. Um, okay. And that's that. All right. Um, I will be back in a minute. I'll be right back. I'll just see what else I can dish up for you. And uh, we'll have a look. We'll pick it to bits, shall we? Pick it to bits. Maybe it's good. Maybe it's not. 17 minutes to 7. Who knows? It's all just news. And you can't hold... You can't really listen. You can't really sort of go on it can you because we don't really know what's going on all we're hearing is reports and so you know I'm bringing it to you but I don't know whether it's true or not I mean uh, how will we ever know really I don't know the only truth we have got is the Bible and the Bible says God will bring his people Israel the Jews back into the land that he's promised them and that they will repent and that they will acknowledge Jesus Christ as their saviour says that real clear doesn't say the words Jesus Christ, but it says the word Messiah. They were they're, they're God, and Jesus Christ is their God. They just don't accept it yet. Some do, many do, but a lot don't. And it's not until Israel has that wholesale revival that um, that uh, they're really going to be blessed as a nation. They thought they were CNN, and CNN was huge. CNN is the news. CNN is a gigantic corporation. They have a big building, a whole deal, giant sign. They didn't understand that this podcast is 10 times larger than them. And it was exposed during that whole thing, where they just made this terrible chess move. They just ran out in the middle with their king. That's how I found myself in the middle of all this. That's how I found myself having conversations with Peter McCullough and Robert Malone and a lot of other people, a lot of very intelligent people that weren't crazy 
crazy. They weren't tinfoil hat conspiracy theorists or QAnon believers. They were just intelligent people that had looked at all the data and had said, I think we're being lied to. Joe Rogan here at the Liberty NZ Breakfast with Groundhead was now breaking news. A very important and urgent eight-page letter was sent to King Charles of England, King Charles III, and uh, it's the former police officer Mark Sexton. You may have heard of him before. Uh, he sent a very important and urgent eight-page letter to King Charles III with a request for a national reply. A lot of the time, and a lot of time and hard work has gone into getting it, this produced, according to Mark, who adds, if you understand why this letter needs to be sent by as many people as possible and how it impacts the monarch, the country and the constitution, then please send it. Mark Sexton, who has worked tirelessly over the last few years to try and bring the, the justice to those involved in the orchestrating uh, of the crimes against humanity, says all avenues in their system have been exhausted, referring to the letter uh, to King James, he states, Yes, I know he's WEF. Yes, I know uh, how corrupt the whole system is. Yes, I know it needs the people to take action uh, and take back control. Yes, I know many will say, Not my king. Yes, I know all pro uh, protect each other. And yes, I know there are many anti monarchy people out there. And yes, I know, I know, he says. But uh, let's hear from Mark now. Let's see if I can play it for you. I hope it's loud enough. When people swear an oath or an allegiance, they have certain prerogatives, certain powers, and certain duties that they must carry out. Last year, the King, King Charles III, swore an oath, and that was a coronation oath. And with that oath comes great responsibility. A letter has been produced by myself and three other people. Those people have been a great help to me in producing this letter, they wish to remain anonymous and I'll respect that, but I'd like to personally thank them for their help in making sure this letter is produced in a way that we believe is satisfactory to be sent to King Charles III. Some of you will say, not my king. And I accept and understand that wholeheartedly, and that is your right. However, we are living in a democracy, an alleged and perceived democracy, and right now, the king has certain powers and prerogatives, and we are now calling on the king to action those prerogatives because we have a rogue, belligerent government and parliament that is no longer working for the people. All I'm going to ask you to do is read the letter, have a look at it, and if it resonates with you, I personally will be sending this letter to Charles at his address at Clarence House. I feel this letter is very important and I'm calling upon him to act within his, within his capacity as the King and to carry out and honour his oath of office. And that is to protect the people, to protect the constitution and to protect our country. If this letter resonates with you, I'm asking you please Download it, print it, and send it to King Charles. Feel free to sign it or don't. That is entirely up to you. This letter is very important. It's very important because it states a lot of facts and it also mentions and refers to the Great Freedom Charter and that is the Magna Carta of 1215. 
Right now, we are in a perilous situation with a government that doesn't work for the people, instead is pandering to unelected, non-governmental organisations, the World Economic Forum, the United Nations and the World Health Organisation. We need them to be removed from our country and from our shores. The letter is self-explanatory. Click on the link www. We do not consent.co.uk and it's attached to this video. You click on, you'll go to the website and just click on the link that says letter to King Charles. It's provided in a PDF and a Word format. So whichever one suits you best. Print two copies, send one to King Charles and keep one to yourself as a record. I'm hoping as many people as possible will see the merit of sending this letter and we can get the attention of the King to carry out his lawful duty as sworn in his coronation oath. Whether you believe in the monarchy, whether you believe in the King or whether you do not, is a right that you and only you can have and hold. I will be doing this because I feel it is important that he is aware of the amount of frustration not just frustration, but the dismay at the way this country is being governed by people in Parliament and a government in Parliament that is rogue and not working for us any longer. Please look at the letter. Please send the letter. And if you feel others you may know from seeing the letter, please forward this link and the video on to them and they too can do the same. Everything you will need you will need is in the link attached the letter the address it's all there thank you very much that is mark and his full name is uh, he's a former police officer mark sexton and that's the letter that you can find that actually if you want to read the story you can go over to uh, the expose uh, it's hyphen news.com there we are. Okay, you're with Liberty NZ Breakfast with Grant Edwards. It's nine minutes to seven. We'll have the TNT Radio News coming up at seven. Now, let's go over to, um, let we see, where should we go now? Should we go to the Herald? Let's see what they've got. I'll do a quick refresh on the Herald and uh, just see. I've learnt a way where I can actually read the whole thing. Uh, but it takes a little bit of, it's a little, you know, sometimes they, because they've got paywalls, but I, I know how to get around it now. Yeah, I do. Now, um, disaster calls for Great Barrier to be off limits for boaties this summer. Oh, it's just all part of the the, um, the bureaucratic communists that are in that are entrenched in our government. It's just nonsense. Uh, let's see if they'll let us read that story. Aotea, uh, Great Barrier Island uh, fears invasive seaweed could cause environmental disaster. I just think it's all nonsense. Is that that we what do you call it? The um, the exotic yeah, that's the right the Calerpa seaweed. So uh, they just want to take away your fun, folks. That's all. That's what it's all about. They invent all this stuff. I mean, there's, these. Uh, they. You remember that fanworm thing? They said that. Oh no, fanworm's no good. The one that they said that it, would, it had been brought in by a cruise ship or something, and then it was taken to Huangarei, and then they were, you know, going on finding people that had fanworm on their boats, and they wouldn't let you take your boat out of the water and all this. Turns out the thing's actually quite quite good for the environment <laughs> so this will be another one it's all just designed to stop fun people want to go over to the they want to go to the barrier so these are the calls they've made these calls to make one of Auckland's favorite getaways 
spots off limits to boaties this summer. That's just outrageous. You know, you work all year, and then you just think, I'm going to go to the barrier. I mean, it's it's just the best place to go. Absolutely fantastic. And they're going to stop people from going over there. It's a foreign pest, they say. It's a big, big threat, and it doesn't just come with its... What does it say? With its swift rate of speed, it's capable of growing by as much as three centimetres a day. I'll guarantee you that it'll be something that the council's done that's caused it. Usually, in this case, the regional council will be fiddling around or something. So uh, where else have they got it here? They've got it it in Kowal Island as well. Uh, Anyway, so that's just, that's crazy, crazy nonsense. And um, no end in sight for Chris Hipkins, the subtle dig at Nationals. Or he says that he's having a subtle dig at Nationals talks as they drag on. Still haven't got a government yet. Hopefully we'll get one this week. Uh, but I don't know. It'd be interesting. I suppose you wouldn't really want them to be too quick about it, would you? You kind of want them to be fighting over policy. They're not really arguing very much about who's going to be, you know, who, whether it's who's going to be the deputy and all that stuff. They're more interested in policy. So that's good. Um, but they, they may not be a coalition of three. There may only be a coalition of two. If they can't come to an agreement, one or both even might decide to sit on the crossbenches. And that would mean that um, poor old Christopher Luxon wouldn't be able to pass anything because he wouldn't have the votes. He would have to put it, he would have to get approval to pass everything. Uh, every single um, sort of act or whatever it is, he'd have to go through two other parties before he could pass it. So that'd be a nightmare. So he is, uh, for him it would be anyway, probably a good thing for the country, but he's doing his best. Christopher Luxon's doing his best to get it, pull it all together. They're all compromising, aren't they? Uh, it'll be interesting to see if Winnie goes ahead with his um, uh, vaccination inquiry. But uh, as Liz Gunn said, what we really need is a, a criminal investigation because what the government did to New Zealanders, in fact, all governments all over the world, over the Western world, was criminal. And people are still being killed and maimed even now, aren't they? Um, OK, I'll be back in a moment and uh, see what else I've got here, which I'll read you. It's all a bit um, tedious this morning. It's the same old stuff, really. And I find some of these publications really hard to navigate. You've got to click on every story. There's no. It'd be just brilliant if you could just have a decent paragraph. And then if people were interested, they could go and have a gander. Um, okay, I'll be back in a minute and we'll go to Radio New Zealand and see, I think they've got some fresh news for us. It won't be long. I'm in love with America's Christians, uh, t- uh, to be perfectly uh, uh, open about you. it. <laughs> <laughs> Not all, but... Uh, but more. At least I'm those around touched. this table. It is mutual, <laughs> thank you. It, it is a very beautiful thing in my life. But uh, uh, technically speaking... One would say that Christians are bound to nine commandments well, because, of the, because of the Sabbath. Well, no, but Dennis, the Sabbath, it, the Sunday, well, gathering that's, on... That's the, that's the resurrection day. Well, no, it's a new creation. So the creation element is there. And the idea of the, the, the basic principle of the Sabbath, that, it, that it, it recognizes that moment in the week, that moment in the seven-day cycle of God resting at the end of creation, the culmination of creation... It's shifted to Sunday because Christ is seen as the new creation. Right, so fine. Are you, uh, it's okay, are you bound, is a Christian bound to Sunday? Well, I would say it depends on... Yeah, I would say yes. That's interesting, isn't it? March 1799, Palestine. General Napoleon Bonaparte's French troops take the city of Jaffa in a bloody assault. That evening, French troops slaughter and pillage without mercy. An army doctor wrote... 
soldiers cut the throats of men and women, the old and young, Christians and Turks. Over the next few days, 3,000 Ottoman prisoners who'd been promised their lives were taken to the beach and massacred. French soldiers used bayonets to save ammunition. Napoleon's defence? He could not spare the men to guard so many prisoners. Some had been captured before and broken oaths not to fight France again. He could not feed them. There was no formal concept of war crimes in the 18th century, but Napoleon's orders at Jaffa were a lingering stain on his reputation, vigorously exploited by his enemies. OK, we're back at Radio New Zealand and we've got the TNT News coming up at 7 o'clock. Let's go to uh, back to Radio New Zealand. They've got a few news stories here. Senior doctors renew pleas for dedicated ED security. Emergency department doctors uh, at two Auckland hospitals are warning someone could be killed or seriously injured if security is not improved in the face of rising rates of violence and aggression, probably caused by their jabs. Seem to be a bit nutty after that, don't they? Cra- uh, cracking the gridlock with congestion charges. Let's see. This is um, put out by the detail with Radio New Zealand. Congestion charges are being held up as the answer to traffic problems in Auckland and uh, not held up, but they're holding them up as this is the answer. This will be what, what saves you uh, from uh, gridlock in Auckland and Tauranga. But if they work... Um, if they work so well, why are they taking so long to put in place? Well, because it takes a while to figure it out, that's why, you ask me. And the uh, the Kai Arahi, the hull repair, that's the, um, both both actually, Blue Bridge and uh, the other one, um, the Cook Strait ferries, were damaged with holes in them after smashing into the wharf. So they, it was um, left with a large hole that spread across a metre of its hull after the smash into the Wellington Wharf. Uh, when it came into birth on Sunday. That was last Sunday, not the one just now. So they're actually well uh, getting onto those repairs. Economists predict a drop in retail spending as household budgets squeeze. Third quarter retail trade figures are expected to reflect a difficult period for consumers, retailers and economic. And uh, in brief, what have we got here? Rachel McAlpine. Is life worth living after 90? Of course it is. Of course it is. Yes. Um, what else have we got here? Rugby Australia elect a new chair after McLennan give a deadline to quit. Uh, uh, it says here Rugby Australia's board has elected former Wallaby Daniel Herbert as the new chief of the governing body in the wake of the resignation of Hamish McLennan. And uh, what else have we got happening here? Australia, they win sixth World Cup title after head 100 sinks India. After head 100 sinks India. That was about an hour ago. Let's have a look at that one. See who won. Oh, they're all excited. Australia won a record extending sixth 50 overs. Sixth 50 overs. World Cup title after opener Travis Head. Oh, okay. That's his name. Travis Head. I don't know much about cricket. I don't like it. It's like watching grass grow. Anyway, so it looks like they've done well. Very good. Well done. That's excellent. Now, there's another one here. Northlanders to... To shell out 90 million in November rates deadline. Woo, they'll be upset about that. Um, I'll be back in a minute. I've got some water boiling. <laughs> oh, actually, we've got news, so I'll go and I'll go and sort out my water while you listen to the news. Here we go. 
Israel has dropped over 12,000 bombs on the besieged territory of two and a half million people. The bombardment sparked by the slaughter of 1,400 Israelis killed in Hamas's surprise attack on October 7. The death toll in Gaza has since surpassed 11,000, 70% of them women and children. The IDF announcing this week it had effectively cut the Gaza Strip in two, its soldiers and tanks tightening the noose around Gaza City after reaching the sea. Israel has airdropped thousands of leaflets and sent text messages ordering Palestinians in northern Gaza to move south, but over a quarter of a million are said to remain in the worst-hit areas. Israel agreed to stop bombing the Strip for four hours every day to allow them to get out, footage posted to social media showing Palestinians wielding white flags as they marched south. Speaking with America's ABC News on Monday, Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu warned the war would continue until Israel had restored overall control of Gaza. He said Israel would assume overall responsibility for security in the Gaza Strip once the war ends. President Biden has said that it would be a mistake for Israel to occupy Gaza. Who should govern Gaza when this is over? Uh, I think Israel will, for uh, an indefinite period, will have the overall uh, security responsibility because we've seen what happens when we don't have it. When we don't have that security responsibility, what we have is the eruption of uh, Hamas terror on a scale that we couldn't imagine. But it appears the United States disagrees. President Biden's been very clear we don't support a reoccupation of Gaza by the Israeli Defense Forces. We do think that there needs to be uh, a healthy set of conversations about what post-conflict Gaza looks like and what governance looks like. What we absolutely agree with our Israeli counterparts on is what it can't look like and it can't look like it looked on October 6th. Also making news this week, emotions ran high in the US following the death of a Jewish man who died after being attacked by a Hamas supporter at a rally in California. Police confirming they're treating the death of 65-year-old Paul Kessler as a homicide after he died from his injuries on Monday. The incident happened last weekend. Pro-Israeli demonstrators on one side of the street and Palestinian supporters on the other. Police say at some point a physical altercation broke out during which 65-year-old Kessler was hit over the head with the megaphone. He suffered severe blunt force trauma after collapsing and cracking his head on the pavement. He was taken to hospital where he later died of his injuries. And the United States publicly announced the arrival of one of its nuclear-powered submarines in the Middle East this week. Washington saying it sent the sub as a show of force to Iran. TNT's Patrick Henningsen says it's a rare announcement as the Pentagon seeks to flex its muscles in the region. Now this is definitely a serious move by the United States. They're sending a strong signal to the region, more specifically to the Islamic Republic of Iran. This is definitely flexing muscles. You don't deploy a nuclear submarine to an area. And normally, remember, these are normally not announced. You don't announce the deployment of this type of Ohio-class sub to an area. But the fact that the United States announced it, this is why this is a significant event. This is armed with a whole stock of cruise missiles, as well as the attachment for the capability of the deployment of Navy SEAL teams. So by pushing this in and around the Persian Gulf, they're really talking about an escalation here. Where is this going to lead to? And that's the question. And is this provocation going to cause Iran to make such a signal in order to state their intentions? And then where will we be heading? For TNT Radio, this is Patrick Henningsen. Thank you, Patrick. And I'll be back in a moment with weather for New Zealand. The thing that stri struck me, you know, Piers, about seeing the 7th of October footage was that um, uh, even the Nazis were actually ashamed of what they did. 
you know, SS battalions who spent their days shooting Jews in the back of the head and pushing them into, tr uh, into trenches had to get very, very drunk in the evening to uh, uh, forget what they had done. Uh, the Nazi high command famously had to sort of get around the problem of soldier morale because the soldiers knew this wasn't exactly what their lives were meant to look like either. I tell you one very big difference. If you look at the footage, the raw footage, and I really hope people don't on a wider scale have to view what I viewed the other day. Um, if they see it, they will see something that is at least as barbaric as what the Nazis did. But here's the difference. They did it with glee. They were deeply proud. Yes, that's, uh, that's right. That is Douglas Murray there with um, Piers. Um, did you say Piers? Yes, with Piers Morgan. Okay, let's uh, look at weather. First of all, we'll go to um, Weather Watch. Actually, before we do, we'll have a look at the extremes and see if there's any change. The highest temperature is Auckland in the Waitakere, 17.3. The lowest is Tianao, 4.7 degrees. Windiest place is still Lyle Bay in Wellington, 35 kilometres per hour. And the wettest place is New Plymouth Airport with 3.6 millimetres of rain. Moving over, that's we'll, we'll leave uh, metservicethere.com and we'll go across to theweatherwatch.co.nz and we'll have a look at the situation for the country. We've got a high pressure for the South Island with a low pressure that bringing some wet weather further north. In the North Island, partly cloudy skies with the risk of showers in the upper North Island this afternoon. Isolated heavy showers may form with the risk of thunder and then easing at night. Auckland and Waikato especially. Winds from the south or southeast. Uh, rain for the east coast. Heavy falls possible for Hawke's Bay and the northern Wairarapa. And then easing overnight, you'll have rain in the western areas this afternoon. Clearing by evening. For Wellington, excuse me, uh, Wellington should be mainly dry with sunny spells breaking through this afternoon with southeasterly winds. In the South Island, mostly cloudy in the east with drizzle patches over the south and then dying out this afternoon with sunny spells breaking through. Uh, wind picks up in the east and the northeast and you have cloud that may be a bit uh, slower to clear South Canterbury through to central Otago. Mostly sunny for the South Island of Southland area and also central Otago. Uh, they have a, a mix of sun and cloud. Isolated showers developing this afternoon. Some may be very heavy, um, and you also have might have some thunderstorms as well. But that'll be clearing later on. Uh, sunny spells along the west coast for Nelson, and a chance of an isolated shower about the ranges this afternoon. Showers for inland Tasman, Buller may become heavy with thunder, and then clearing later on. Winds from the southwest along the western coast of the of Southland, with northerlies for Nelson. Okay, that is your weather for today. Thank you very much for joining me. It is uh, seven minutes, eight minutes now, eight minutes past seven. I'll see you tomorrow morning, Lord willing. And uh, tomorrow morning is going to be the 21st, which is a Tuesday. And uh, I got a bit confused last week. I thought that was the end of the week, so I decided to take four days off. <laughs> it was great. And then while I was away, um, it all went on the blink, and I wasn't there to fix it. So we had um, a lot of dead air for um, quite, a, quite a bit of Saturday, I think it was. Uh, it finally came right when I when I returned. Okay, well we Lord willing we'll see you tomorrow and thank you very much for joining me. I hope you um I hope you kind of enjoyed the enjoyed the show. We'll, we'll catch you later. Bye. I'm here in Gaza City. We are here next to a house of a terrorist. This is one of the senior terrorists who is the head of the operational naval operations that led the raids into Israel. His house 
is right next to a, to a school. His house is 200 yards from the hospital, the hospital of Rantisi. Next to his house, there is a tunnel. We did, didn't it? I wonder why that went quiet. Now I want to show you an operational tunnel. The tunnel is built with electricity. We first saw the solar panels, then the electricity goes here. And it goes down directly to the tunnel. Now you can see the tunnel. You can see the tunnel. The tunnel is let down more than 20 meters down. The robot found a door. A door that is bulletproof. It's, a, it's explosive proof, so it looks like a hard evidence, a clear evidence that the hospital direction is connected. This is a cover tunnel. It's part of the same floor and it slides down here. So it's a cover tunnel so nobody can find it. This is Rantisi Hospital. And this is the place where I showed you the tunnel. I want you to see. This is the back side of the hospital. Hamas used this hospital. Tonight we have entered into this building. I will show you the evidence. Let's enter into the hospital. We're now entering into the area of the hospital where we had found the evidence. Uh, this operation was conducted by uh, Israeli Special Unit, the Israeli Navy SEALs. This is still an operation that is conducting. And I'm showing you the first evidence to see. We are now, we are now in the area of the basement of the hospital. I want to show you a room where we found all the gear, the operational gear of Hamas. Hamas is using hospitals, like we showed the evidence in Shifa hospital, in other hospital. We are now seeing it in live in Rantisi hospital. A operation still conducting right now. Look at what Hamas is holding inside the hospital. I want you to understand. This kind of gear is a gear for a major fight. These are explosives. These are vests, vests with explosives. Yeah, it's a body vest for terrorists to explode on forces. Among hospitals, among patients, we have hand grenades, Kalachnikovs, and then we have the RPGs. People shooting RPGs from hospitals. This is Hamas firing RPGs for hospitals. The world has to understand who is Israel fighting against. We are now in the basement, and in this basement we found a motorcycle. They were all used in the massacre of the 7th of October. They even have bullets in this motorcycle. So they came back from the massacre on the 7th of October into Rantisi Hospital with hostages on a motorcycle. We're still researching this. Yards from here, we find the chair, a woman, clothes, and a rope. A rope next to the legs. And look above this, look above it. It's a baby bottle. It's a baby bottle in a basement. Above, a World Health Organization sign. This is a suspicion for an area where hostages were being held. We're now looking at an infrastructure. You don't need to build something improvisedly. 
in a hospital in the basement. Unless you want to hold someone in the basement, you don't want anyone to see him. Again, we're in the same basement, and here we see diapers, and we see, I don't know, maybe something. We see diapers. I want you to see this room. It's in the basement of the hospital. We can see this area is a closed area from the rest of the hospital. We can see the ventilation air that was done improvisedly to this area. And we can see infrastructures that was built in here. Toilets, shower, a small kitchen will provide the terrorists their needs. Also conduct a hideout. A hideout where terrorists take hostages and hideout. And I will show you now the evidence. You're now entering into the room where we suspect the hostages were being held. I want you to look at this room. People are putting curtains with nothing above, just wall. No reason to put here a curtain unless you want to film hostages and deliver movies. And now we'll show you more evidence. In this room, there is a list. This list in Arabic, in Arabic, this list says we are in an operation. The operation against Israel started in the 7th of October. This is a guardian list where every terrorist writes his name and every terrorist has his own shift guarding the people that were here. Psst.